when you first got to the varsity football team at Clemens, who was the first person to kick your butt or welcome you to varsity football? Uh, you, you know, there was a lot of names that I could have probably thrown out there. Um, <laughs> you know, just being a part of that, that culture coming up at that time. Um, but the name that definitely comes to mind is Sean Coriat. Um, oh, yeah. So for those that may not know the Coriat name, uh, they may not be Texas A&M Aggies. Yeah. Uh, his brother uh, was Quentin Coriat, who uh, was part of that wrecking crew defense, mm-hmm. uh, played for the Colts. Uh, older brother was Patrick, who was a beast himself. So um, being able to either run a little 18 pitch and and try to get tackled by that guy or being a receiver coming on a dig over the middle, um, that was welcome. You know, definitely a, a huge welcome. Not only having a quarterback that was the son of the U of H uh, yep. coach. Um, yep. So at that time, so it, it was a lot of pressure, but a lot of guys that were um, there to help, help this little sophomore, help them uh, achieve some dreams. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast We are all the way up to episode number 35 I've got a very special guest in the house today This is a guy I've known for a long time And I'm so excited to have him here He just dropped off his his two twin sons at the University of Texas in Austin, and he came all the way back, and he and he is here on the show, and he's got football starting tomorrow. So it's just the kind of guy he is. He said, hey, Kobo, you got my attention. We're going to have a great show today. There, there's so much that this guest and I can talk about. He is the reigning 2022 District 26A Coach of the Year, and I'm going to talk a lot about this in today's show. This was so deserved. I can't wait to follow the, the arc of what he's done over at Clements High School, but we are joined today by the head football coach and campus athletic coordinator at Clements High School, and my good friend, Bobby Darnell. Welcome to the show. Man, I really appreciate you having me on this show. I'm an avid uh, team player, just nation guy. <laughs> I uh, love it. actually listen to it. You know, anytime I'm on the road, I, I want to be able to figure out what that next episode was so i, I just missed um happy having uh what coach gage i think coach was gage today. just dropped this afternoon yes sir yep. right so I, I think i just missed that one but you know i'll definitely be hearing it this week and uh man really excited man bobby that and that means so much and it's funny you bring up coach gage when, when he came on the show everything he described he's, he's just like you and he gets it you get it this is what we're doing here we're just trying to build a, a community of like-minded people that love athletics and they love kids and, and they're just trying to do it a positive kind of way. And that's what we do here. So just please, anyone listening to this, if, if any, if you know someone that fits that description, keep spreading the word. I don't have any, I don't have a marketing team. <laughs> this is just me. I joke about the team player studios. It's just my office. <laughs> it's just Kobo and a microphone, you know, so we're trying our best to grow it and it is growing. And we are getting pretty good feedback. So it's really exciting. But please just keep sharing. If you haven't done so already, please take the 10 seconds to hit that five-star review wherever you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's going to help more people find this show. And we got another five-star review today. I'll read it to you. 
It says, Coach Kobo, your podcasts are engaging, funny, with a hint of nostalgia, and they have a way of lifting up one's spirit. When you finish a podcast, you are left with a sense of, I'm not the only one going through this or this has happened to. It's uplifting and very encouraging to know that there's always light at the end of the tunnel. We just need to look for it. Keep up the great work. Shout out to all the fighting marsupials out there. This must be one of my Austin College buddies. Uh, This is from Coach Los 5. And this is another team player alum, episode 32, Carlos Longoria, uh, the longtime coach down there in the Valley and Austin College alum. So thank you, Carlos, for the, that that really moved me, um, that review. And that's yourself, Coach Darnell, Coach Gage, I'll get it. This is what we're doing here. So please keep, keep spreading the good news. You can hit the follow button. And that way you will get a new uh, team player podcast in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Coach Kobo. I'm your host. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Bobby, let's let's dive into this. Your early life. You, you grew up in Mo City and Sugarland, So you've kind of been on, on, on a couple of different parts of the district. So someone like myself, who's, who's a Fort Bend native, just describe to us wh- what, where were the specific places that, that you kind of grew up when you were a little kid? Well, and the funny thing is, is I, I guess I can kind of claim both is because yeah. our house, uh, which is on Highway 6, right there next to the Popeyes That's near right. Dulles, yep. um, but across the street from the now Spring Creek, you know, it was like a battleground area. You know, we moved yeah. there in 98. And so everybody was going to Clements at that time, all Fresno, Rocheron, Arcola. Mm-hmm. It was all uh, Clements in, until Elkins was built, you know, and 92 happens and uh, and it was like the Civil War almost, you know, now I've got to go against my buddies that were at First Colony Middle School. Now they're at Lake Olympia and then Elkins. So yeah. um, my guess that my technical address was Missouri City. Once you like cross the line or something around there, yeah. uh, right there by Star Cinema Grill and, and Fuzzy's Taco. Yep. But um, I, I'm a Sugarland guy because all my elementary and, and you know, first, first Colony Middle School and high school, it was all Sugarland. So. Most cities, Sugarland, we're we're all the same. Man, it's it that's it's fun for Fort Bend listeners that tune into this. Like, there's just been so much growth in Fort Bend. I witnessed it, and you're a couple years ahead of me, so you probably really witnessed. I mean, it was rural. At, I mean, there, oh, there was absolutely. a point where just Fort Bend ended, and now they're now they're filled with houses and communities. And can you kind of can you describe a little bit about that, Bobby? Um, as far as like what the scenery looked like around Fort Bend ISD at that time. Absolutely. I mean, you could go down Highway 6 and it was a two road lane. Uh, You know, people know where like Fort Settlement Middle School is now and and the Coles and stuff like that. Everything on that side past Lake Colony was Frost Ranch and and there was nothing there. Um, So to be able to go down Elkins Road towards Fort Fort Settlement now and and go up that little levee and head down. Yeah, that was rural cow pastures, (laughs) cow patties, everything you know, huge fence that was all still part of Frost Ranch. So uh, to be able to see everything, I mean, I was around when 99 was first open because we used that as a way to go watch our girls soccer team play my senior year. Um, so that was, you know, spring of 97. Yeah, we're, we're taking this new thing called 99 or Grand Parkway up to Katy to Road Stadium to watch our girls play, you know, somebody at that point. But it was at that time where we got to get out of school because it was yeah. like a 1230 game. So the whole school went off to this game and, and, we, and we took this new road. So to see all this growth so cool. um, has just been insane. I mean, even when I got back from college and then all of a sudden there's, you know, obviously Austin had been built mm-hmm. before I graduated. But, you know, then there was a high tower and a 
George Bush and a Marshall. Yeah. It was like all this in five years. Right. What happened? Right. Right. No, no, you, you, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I went to Austin. So in, in my recollection, I felt like there was, there was kind of, I think there were six of us at the time with Austin and in Fort Bend. And like you, you said it right after that, there was that rapid succession. I think before Austin, the new kids on the block, so to speak, would be like Elkins and Kempner, you know, right? Uh, just Elkins. Just Elkins. Okay. Yeah. Kempner, I, I would say Kempner's kind of like an OG because Kempner Kempner's was around in early nineties, right? Or... Yeah. 88. 88. 88. Wow. Okay. So then you have Elkins and Austin, of course, was 95, I believe. And so, right. right. And then you said rapid explosion, high tower bursts on the scene, uh, Bush, Travis, Mar- Marshall, Travis. Yeah. And of course, Ridgepoint, which we'll talk about, but this is one thing I didn't know about you, Bobby moved from El Paso in third grade. I had no idea. I, I, I knew you were always from this area, but I did not know you lived in El Paso. So tell us a little bit about, about that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we were, I was born in St. Louis, but my dad worked for Southwestern okay. Bell, uh, you know, which cool. AT&T gobbled up the, the whole Bell system. Um, so, you know, as soon as I was born, almost probably about a year and a half, we ended up moving to Odessa. So that wow. was my first taste of Texas. So Odessa, Texas, uh, Ratliff Stadium, wow. you know, the mojo, you know, it, the, seriously, the city shut down when Odessa yep. High and Permian played. And it was a, an amazing thing to be a part of that, even though I was so young. But then we moved to El Paso for really about a year. I was there for half a second and half a third. And then we moved here into that same house on Double Leg Drive. And it's Settlers Way Elementary until Austin Parkway was built. And I head over to Austin Parkway, and I'm the first fifth grade class there and first colony in Clements. And, you, you know, you you, it's so cool that you're back at Clements now because, I mean, you, you were – and again, I'm a few years behind you, but just from everything that I know about you, you seemed like a guy that really embraced Clements High School as a student. I mean, you, you seem like one of those guys that was just really involved in all, and not just athletics, but in the pulse of the school and, and getting into leadership and, and just, just being a good face of the school. So I, I had the good fortune of teaching uh, at Clements for three years. Actually, my first coaching, uh, my first four into coaching was at Clements, and I spent three seasons there, uh, first under Coach Hume for one year and then two years under Keith Knowles. And I loved it. And I, you know, I, I grew up in, I went to Austin high school in the district. So I knew of Clements. I definitely, they were a rival of ours, but uh, you know, Kentner being our main rival, I'd say Clements is a secondary rival, but I knew of Clements, but once I actually stepped foot in there, I was like, wow, this place is special. So can you just kind of describe from your yeah. perspective, like as, let's, let's go from as a student and we'll get in your coaching later, but what was it like going, going to Clements high school in the nineties? You know, so yeah, definitely student-wise first, it was in that age of the 90s where the middle schools, you know, did whatever the high schools did, and and those coaches were involved. Um, We all went to Mercer Stadium to watch those games, and those guys were gods to us. I mean, it was unbelievable, you know, seeing those athletes, and my sister was four years older than me. She was a 92 uh, grad and was in the band, so obviously we were going to be at every single game. Um, so just to be able to be around that and see all those athletes was, was completely amazing. So to, for me to finally get there, um, it, it was just, everything was just natural. I mean, I, I just wanted to do as much as possible. And that's the same thing I tell these kids, you know, 25 years later is like four years is a short amount of time. So play everything, do everything. I mean, that's something that is specially unique, I think, to Clements High School, whether I was, football, basketball, track, 
um, student council, you know, junior class president, senior class president, like whatever the case may be, that translates to today. I, I had four varsity football players last year in the marching band, you know, like we were a, a 3A yeah. or 2A school yeah. in Texas, yeah. you know, I, I've got kids in choir, I've got kids in FFA. And, and so it's all encompassing as far as we just treat it like a little small town, Texas, like just do everything. And, yeah. and I want these kids to do everything because it's about the experience. Like you get more from being involved in everything, learning discipline, time management, learning from different people, different adults in that area, that, that there's no substitute for that experience. Yeah, you know, when you when you when you you struck a chord with me, Bobby, when you talked about that when you were growing up, the high school football players were gods to you, and you you go to every game, you knew their names. I I always tell the story. I grew up in a neighborhood called Barrington Place, which is right off of Eldridge. And I would have went to Kempner. I went to Sugarland Middle School and I would have gone to Kempner. But then in my eighth grade year, I moved to new territory. And so I, mm -hmm. I moved to Garcia Middle School, like halfway through my eighth grade year. Talk about like awkward time and <laughs> making new friends. Oh, so I was yeah. a new kid, uh, it, right <laughs> a semester <laughs> Garcia's. So I had no friends uh, until I got to Austin. But um, anyhow, my how our, our house in new territory wasn't finished being built yet but we'd already sold our house in Barrington place so we moved into those apartments and I'm blanking on the name but those apartments right across the street from Mercer I know you know uh, what I'm talking about this yeah yeah they've changed names by right you know, probably several times now. sure but what I did was while I was living there uh I, so I was living there in the fall where you know the house was being built I was still going from there and driving to Sugarland Middle School for the beginning uh the first half of eighth grade year I would walk to Mercer Stadium for three times every, every right across the street i would go watch the thursday night game uh the friday night game and a, or no excuse me maybe it was a friday night game a saturday afternoon game and a saturday night game at that time but i'd go watch all three of them i'd go walk over to the mall first i'd, I'd go to the steak escape in the food court i'd walk around go to the bookstop you know <laughs> read Dan campbell's and then i go to the game and i i almost feel like i would go there and i'd always buy the program and i'd buy nachos and a powerade and i feel like i almost remember like Maybe it was your senior year, but I feel like I remember seeing you in this program. But the thing that always stands out to me about the Clements programs that were so cool, they had this tradition. You're the only team in the district that did it because I bought all the programs. Every time a senior would have like a little, there's like a page towards the back of the program where the seniors would get shout outs from their parents. And I just mm -hmm. thought that was so cool. And again, that's such a Clements thing, right? That they're just, it's so right. family oriented. It's just such a community. So I just wanted to share that with you. And, 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 uh, I just, th that's a special memory. So I was looking up to the, the high school players, just like, just like you were when you were growing up, but you mentioned that your feeder patterns had this, had, you know, you're running the high school offense in middle school at that time right. was first colony middle school, the only feeder to Clements or did Clements receive students from other middle schools? If they did, I didn't know about it. I, I mean, yeah. it was all of us going to Clements. You know, we knew who our teammates were going to be we knew all our friends were going to be um if we lost anybody it was going to be to strike Jesuit. i see yeah that's interesting because i mean i know uh quisha dickerson came on the show she was the, like yourself award-winning coach from fort ben austin girls basketball and it's a reality fort ben isd has to deal with with the rapid growth but there aren't direct feeders anymore right. and I, you know this as now as, as a football yeah. coach she's talking about i don't you know what am i going to do go go down to go down to Garcia and teach him my offense because half those kids are going somewhere else or go, you know what I, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And so there's that right. kind of, kind of that struggle. And so you, you were, you grew up in a special time, honestly, a special time in Fort Ben ISD before that rapid growth. I, I tell you, it's, it, it can come back, you know, maybe sure. Sure. 
with the with the opening of high school 12 Crawford High School you know okay so let's let's look at our boundaries let's look at those lines and I think there's been a subcommittee that's been you know made or created to work on this because they're going to drop those lines and there's going to be a lot of people upset sure. over in that area but let's go ahead and just make it all encompassing let's let's go ahead and make everybody mad and just give everybody a hundred percent dedicated school yes. so that, you know, I, we can at least give something uh, along the lines of what our neighbors down 99 get, you sure. know, and that's always our, that's our bi-district rival. I mean, that's who we've got to be able to go through. We've got to do something to even, even the playing field. I'm with you, Bobby. You gotta, you gotta rip the bandaid off. You know, at some point it, it, somebody's going to be a hurt. Yes. You're, right. you're, you're right. And it, you know, um, Caitlin Riley came on the show. She, she's now the girls soccer coach at West Columbia. She was at Lamar Consolidated and uh, Cy Springs before that. But, you know, she grew up in LCISD, right? Again, right down the road from us. You have an LCISD uh, opponent in your district now. And their middle schools are, or their junior highs, as they call them, are right next door. And she talked right. about how big of an advantage it is just to be able to walk down, see your, see the middle school kids. And you're probably see you kind of shaking your head. Cause I bet you, you would just, I could tell you're just dying for that, but you've got to go drive to Fort settlement or drive to first colony and that can't be helped. Right. But like you're saying, right. Maybe, maybe we can, maybe this next realignment of our new redrawing of boundaries, we can, we can help, help you guys out there. So just looking back I, at Clements. I sure hope so. Yeah, for sure. So looking looking back at Clements, your coach was Ken Herring. And for me as a young coach, a first-year coach at Clemens, this is before you'd come back as a coach. I mean, I heard that name all the time. And it was kind of like, you know, just a le- just reverentially spoken, Coach Herring this, Coach Herring that. He he was kind of the godfather that taught Coach Hume, you know, and, and just created this huge yes. – <laughs> Bobby's doing the godfather, you know, motion yes. there. But, um, you know, this an incredible coaching tree, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of branches that have gone off to become head coaches, you know, from that tree. Uh, you know, myself included for a very brief stint. But, I mean, there's a lot you know, Jerry Edwards, and we can we go on and on and on and on of coaches from that tree. But right. I, I never got to meet the man. I, I heard that he was just what I got the feeling he was very stern. It's kind of the way he was described to me in the office. But you as a player, and you were the star player. So I don't know if you got if you had better treatment. But what was uh, what was coach Ken Herring? <clears throat> you know, you know, first to, to just say that the last 30 years of Clements football has been influenced by this man. Sure. And his tree, 30 yeah. straight years yep. have been based off of Coach Herring, you know, and, and the yeah. tree off of off of him. So that's amazing in itself. Um, he he was an imposing guy. I mean, he, he almost, you know, he, he was he had huge calves. He was just <laughs> naturally red. So just just imagine a naturally red guy getting mad. Um <laughs> But awesome, yeah. and just looked like he was just super strong. So you yeah. take him mixed with Coach Miller, old Miller at the time, yeah, because his son come came on staff too. Those so young Miller and old Miller, right? He just had a barrel chest, yeah. And, and so I mean, these guys were were intimidating, and and the way they coached and the way they got everything out of our our guys and our team, I mean, it, it, it was amazing. But he was, I would say, Coach Herring was well before his time. Sure. Obviously, we all know about a wing T offense. Yep. We know about the 30 traps and, oh, and yeah. eight, 18 pitch, um, booted nine, waggle at eight. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we were we were spreading things out a little bit, coming out in a little bit of 11 personnel and, oh, wow. and motioning a tailback out and doing different things. So it was um, that junior year was fun to be able to, you know, go seven and four, get a first round matchup with the Katy Tigers. 
yeah. um, which was probably going to be the second time in like a short amount of time, four or five years stint. And, um, you know, we, we lost 17 to 24. Um, yeah. But it was then when he left, we kind of maybe went a little bit in another direction when I thought we were progressing offensively um, in a great direction. Yeah. Really cool just to hear that firsthand account from Coach Herring. I just I love the way that, that you describe him. And I, I can I've never seen a picture of Coach, but your description was excellent. I can kind of picture, you know, what he looked like. And you also lifted off you listed off assistant coach Jeff Hume. Now, this is a guy that I know very well. So I'm curious what was Coach Hume's uh, position on staff at that time and what was he like? I mean, I know what he's like as a coach. And he can be scary too. The Chris Fisher episode, you know, is gonna kind of talk about a interaction <laughs> Coach Fisher had with Jeff Hume when uh all those plays you listed. I, those plays are are a canon for me too. Like when I first learned football, it was, you know, 30 trap and 36 G and 18 pitch coach Fisher tried to run the option a little bit in the <laughs> sub varsity. And so that episode's coming out, Bob, it has not dropped Ooh. yet, but uh, you're going to hear what coach Hume said to coach Fisher when he ran some of that option. Uh, you can imagine. Not Bobby a good shaking. idea. <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> but just tell us, Bobby, we all know, we all know coach Hume, you know, the coach, but what the head coach, but what was coach Hume like as an assistant under coach Herring? You know, he, he was, he was fantastic. He was yeah. the younger guy on staff. So let's yeah, say yeah. I was, you know, let's say I'm 16, 17. So for that one year that he was there, um, he was like 26, 27. So yeah. if you can imagine a, a 26, 27, Mike Madden, uh, Jeff Hume, yeah. uh, Keith Garwick, um, even, even a younger um, Herb Espinosa, like this was like a, Oh my God. Really fun staff of guys that were like Clement staples, you know, they were going to be there the next, you know, decade or two, you know, so it was a lot of fun to be around there. Now coach Hume, uh, you know, I think he coached maybe the, the, the tight nines and, and then the tight ends. And (laughs) and I think he might've even got a chance to, to coach the, the flankers, which that was my, I was the F um, and work with the receivers, but Man, I just remember him being such a fun-loving guy. Like yeah. he was just, you know, somebody that we kind of gravitated to and and wanted to kind of be around, only because and not only because, but the other guys were just a little bit older. Like we we couldn't really relate. And then there's this guy who played at Texas Tech and yeah. uh, you know, newly married and yeah. and loved Coach Hume together and or so much, loved Coach Hume so much and, and loved Mindy so much. Yeah. So getting a chance to meet him and he brought his wife around. I mean, it was it was like, like he was on to something that we all do now, as far as wanting our families to be a part right. of that program right. Right. Um, and just game changer, man. That's so cool. And so I have so many questions from what you just said, because all those names just bring back a, a, a flood of memories for me, but this was the, I know this happened the year before you came back and you're still coaching at Bush, but for whatever reason, there was like this mound of dirt, right by, you know, Ranger, Ranger field there, uh, you know, right by your field house now. And there's a mound of dirt there. And coach Hume used to go stand on top of it as the players milled out for practice. And he said, I'm the king of the hill. Or and, and he would, ch- and again, you probably can't do this in 2022. I don't recommend you doing this, Bobby, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he would stand on top of the hill and challenge players to try to take him down and nobody could do it. They'd run up there and Hume was like the strength of like a, a grizzly bear. And he would just yes. be tumbling back down the hill. There was one player that was able to do it. And I, you, I know you're a, a loyal listener. So you probably heard me kind of tell this story, but it was, it was uh, Kyle Hoke, our, our star safety that year that we went 13 and one <laughs> Kyle Hoke was the one guy that got low and got a, got him wrapped up and brought, brought coach Hume tumbling down the hill. So 
Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't Hoke, I would have guessed Reed Curry. That would have been another. <laughs> That's another I would have thought yeah. maybe him, but yeah, Hoke definitely. Um, I, I mean, all the stories I've heard from him in high school, I've only known him post high school. Sure. And then obviously in his coaching career, but oh man, talk about probably such a joy to coach and just a, a little coach on the field, uh, yeah. you know, given his family and everything like that. So yeah, I, I'd imagine he would have been the only one that could have <laughs> done that. And I, 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 you brought up Mike Madden. He was, he was a football coach at that time. Football and basketball. Yep, yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. My, my first year coaching, he was basketball. He was the JV basketball coach. Um, and so I got to work, you know, with Coach Madden. Beautiful jump shot. I mean, Mike Madden just. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, it, well, so when I, obviously I played basketball all four years here. Yeah. And he was my, or at Clements, and he was my JV coach for two of those years. It was yeah. funny. Quick side note, yeah. you know, I'm a sophomore on JV and I'm starting and, you know, obviously I'm a football player too. And uh, coach Sharp didn't really like football, basketball mm, players. So everybody that I started over my sophomore year on JV, there was a lot of juniors on JV. Well, they get elevated to varsity and, you know, I expect to as well. Right. well I got left on JV right. uh, as a junior right. uh, when I started over all those guys. So we went ahead and went 25 and five in one district. So no, no big deal. Oh man! I'm... You can t- you, if you ask Coach Madden, just say, "Hey, how'd that twenty-five and five year go?" He will light up and just have so many stories to tell about that season. Oh man, yeah, we—I would love to have that episode with him. I, I need to reach out to him. That'd be another fun episode just to talk to an OG basketball coaching legend. I remember he was a dude. He would wear these cowboy boots. Man, he—he he could walk out there in cowboy boots and hit jumpers. But he—he'd walk out there and have his cowboy boots and he'd just take them right around right the side of the court, take them off, put his shoes on, and then he'd hoop with us. And, and was—he was excellent. Man, the guy—the guy just had an incredible jump shot but yeah coach madden just great great memories there and then he also brought up herb espinosa oh man just so many great memories of herb he was he was kind of the guy that was kind of like a a grand or fatherly my fatherly not grandfather fatherly figure to me you know when i first got there just Mm -hmm. being a young very young coach and we're both on the freshman staff and he'd take me around and just hey kobe you know and kind of you know teach me things here or there so i just i'm such a huge fan of his what what was that like having him uh, coaching you there at Clements so I feel like his first year was our freshman year and and he was the head freshman coach at that time yeah. and um just such a just a down-to-earth so knowledgeable you know obviously what he has been able to do with the baseball program in yeah. the years that he was there was amazing but you know football wise too you know he he was a great coach which you know sometimes you think of people being so specialized in their area no, he was such a great coach, and, and he he loved us. He he got to have these younger coaches on his staff as well, and and so I mean, it was he was a great guy, uh, very warm and genuine. Um, you know, if he had something on you, oh, he he was gonna let you know that he had that joke forever. I'm yeah. sure he's got something he can bring up to me if I can get out to Wimberley one of these days. He'll have something that he probably could remind me of, and I'll be like, "How do you remember that?" He was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I don't, I don't forget anything. Oh, I love it. I, I love hearing that. And then the next coach you had listed, you, you, you listed just Molig. And so to me, I, I've had the pleasure of playing under both Scott and Todd Molig during my time at Austin high school. So I'm curious for you, which, which Molig was it Scott or Todd that was with your both. <laughs> so, well, yeah, they both were there and they both ended up leaving to go open Austin. Sure. Um, but Scott Molig was the one that was a, a varsity football coach okay. at that time. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And then you next you list Bill uh, Bill Burling, and that's a name I definitely remember because 
up until my junior year of high school, Bill Burling was the head football coach at Clements. So when coach Herring left, yeah. was it coach Burling that took over? Or was there another coach in between? Right. So coach Burling took over. Um, and, and to be honest, I can't, because I knew coach um, Herring was calling the plays. I, I couldn't really, I don't remember if coach Miller was the defensive coordinator and coach sure. Burling was the offensive coordinator or vice versa, sure. Um, sure. which I need to find a program that can kind of settle that yeah. for me. But um, obviously just one of the coordinators. So he didn't want to go up to Kingwood. Um, so coach Hume took, or sorry, coach Herring took coach Hume up there. Um, and, and maybe one or two of the coaches that I didn't remember, but um, coach Burling took over. And yeah, and I, I can, I can vouch for the offense. Definitely. Cause I, I played against this offense as a player. It, it was straight wing T there, there wasn't much spreading out. I think maybe after I graduated, well, well, actually there was a coaching change. My, my senior year, Tommy Miller became the head coach at Clement. So I, I have, yep. I've had the pleasure of playing varsity football. My, you know, I played two years, junior and senior year. I, for my junior year was against Bill Burling, uh, senior year. You know, was against Tommy Miller. So I've, I've seen, I've seen both, but um yeah i would say more conservative offense even into the early 2000s i i can vouch for yes. that. Um, and then, you know you mentioned you mentioned that you also played basketball and i i have written on my notes did you play for ralph farley <laughs> but I, see I just missed him yeah I, see. I uh, so coach sharp left when we did basically okay. uh, so 97 was that year when he retired um and we all thought that coach madden was going to get the head sure. basketball job um, you know, former Ranger, been on the staff for X amount of years. Um, and for whatever reason, he, he didn't get it. And I'm I'm curious, do, do you know where, because I don't know the answer to this, where where did Farley come from? I, mean, I don't know what he did before Clements. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Farley was very successful either in Lufkin or Livingston. Okay. Uh, I, I think, think it was right. Lufkin. Um, so very successful coach at that time and um, wanted to get into the Fort Bend uh area so ended up doing that so ended up getting it and i would just hear about all those players that you know he talked about kendrick and and antoine (laughs) you know hearing all those you know it so it was just it it was what it was and then i I don't i'm not familiar at all with coach sharp uh so could you just anything you just want to share with the listeners about what you know coach sharp was like in your time playing under him coach james t sharp was um uh, a very similar to Farley, very tall, oh. very imposing. Yeah. Um, but 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 veteran, kind of kind of older man. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say weather or anything like that, but yeah. older man. Yeah. Um, it probably didn't help that he smoked at least two <laughs> packs of cigarettes a day. Um, <laughs> but freshman year, he was my driver's ed. Like that's <laughs> how different it was in the nineties. Driver's yeah. ed was in the schools. Oh, so I mean, awesome. that was pretty cool yeah. to be able to to have that around so you know but you know he was a uh, aside from you know the earlier story about why certain people got elevated and why some people didn't you know he just was kind of one of those guys and then you also last thing you listed you were a three-sport athlete which I know you're a huge proponent of this now the kids playing all the different sports but what what were you what was your events in track and, and what was your experience for the track team for the Rangers so freshman year um I was able to run some 200s and be on some special four by twos again different times four by two was mostly a female race at that time it it wasn't it was at certain meets and it des- definitely wasn't at the district meet um so i was able to do that um then my primary stuff when i got to junior and senior year was the four by four four by one and the 200 
And then, you know, just some funny stories just to kind of end on here. You have the you you have the cool distinction of I mean, and I'm a Fort Bend lifer. I've seen Mercer over the years. It, it's changed a lot now. A lot of renovations have been made. It's gonna be a, a you know it was closed all of last year, so now you guys can get to return to Mercer Stadium. And I'm sure you've probably taken a look at it, but it looks very different. Um, a lot's been changed and to modernize. Definitely it. upgraded. Yes. Yeah. But you have the distinction. You're one of the ones that played on the grass field. I, even I can't say that. And I go back pretty far. My, I did the AstroTurf field before the before the current, you know, uh, the, the, newer, yes. <laughs> the newer iteration. But what was like playing on grass at Mercer Stadium? That it, it was a little weird. Um, yeah. And I think that was only I feel like that was only my sophomore year, because okay. even then, even my sophomore year, Angleton, Brazoswood and Pearland were in our district. Yeah. So, I mean, we were going down there and playing on their grass fields. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was, it, it, heck, we didn't know any different sure. at that point. You know, the only time that we would see turf is if we randomly got a chance to go to an Oilers game and right. and see what Astro turf looked like. But, you know, for junior year and senior year, um, having that turf and having the, the scars from that sucker, that, that was the worst carpet you could ever play on. I'm so glad technology has gotten better with just, surfaces and synthetic surfaces that's the funny thing bobby is you know there's funny little memes on twitter about like today's kids will never know and you know show a picture of like a you know a vcr or, or you know the mm-hmm. game genie or the, you know whatever this that and the other for us as football players they're never going to know those like black rubber elbow guards that we wore oh and all no, of never. those right so i'm sure you wore them as well yes i mean i think i'm pretty sure i still have just torn away skin just yes. from sliding you know two yards let alone you know being dragged or anything like that 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 field was very unkind and unforgiving if you actually got tackled I think all of us that played football in the late or early 2000s you know you, you can you can hold up you look at your elbow and you're gonna see like a little you know a little mark right around underneath your elbow you know we all have them so that's kind of the right of yes that's that is it and then last kind of fun story from high school. This is a brush with fame and you almost got posterized, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, you almost got dunked on by a, a future NBA player, the, the star for the Elsick Rams, Rashard Lewis. Tell us that story, coach. Well, so, so like I just mentioned, that sophomore year was the last year that district was there. Then all of a sudden we add Elkins um, and then we went ahead and added Hastings and Elsick to our district. So, yeah. You know, that was, um, you know, for mid nineties, that was a pretty powerhouse district in every sport. Yeah. Um, you know, even volleyball, softball, everything. I mean, it was pretty serious. So, you know, basketball, there's this guy at Elsick, you know, everyone's talking about, he's a year younger than us, but he had been on varsity, um, you know, thinks he's a guard, but you know, he's like a long, tall guy. You know, what do long, tall guys do in high school? They should be posts. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy is like shooting threes and doing all these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it ended up being Rashad Lewis. Yeah. And he, you know, is one of the guys that makes the jump from high school to the NBA. And we're <laughs> in Clements gym. Yeah. You know, not every game was played at Wheeler or, you know, obviously they we played in their gyms, but it was a game at Clements. And I remember he he got a pass. I'm sitting in there. I was the charge guy. Like I was like, the hustle guy. I was going to yeah. get charges and I yeah. was gonna get steals yeah. and, yeah. and layups, stuff like that. Well, I was ready to take a charge and <laughs> he got the ball and he goes up. I'm like, no, 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 I can't let this happen to me. This isn't going to be me. 
I, you know, it's almost like a Kevin Hart moment. It's like, no, 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 no. So I go up with him and make contact and he just, you know, maybe finger rolls it, gets the, you know, gets the layup, gets the N1, shoots the free throw, but I didn't get dunked on. Amen. He just laid it up. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely had that moment. I love it. It, I, it was it was gonna be bad. It was gonna be really bad. Oh man, I love it. That that's the strength of playing football. That that's those off seasons. You are not about to allow that to happen. So you you did oh, not yeah. allow him to rise up over you. So that exactly that physicality. No, you you are a little skinny dude. You you aren't gonna dunk on me. <laughs> and so now you are our second team player alum. Uh, again, this episode hasn't dropped yet. I, I've recorded a bunch of episodes kind of beforehand since we're about to get into football season. So. This episode I'm recording at the end of July of Coach Darnell. It's not going to release till November. So just for just for avid fans listening, because I, I got to catch these coaches before football starts, because I know how busy they're going to be. But you'll be the second. Good idea. Yep, you'll be the second Baylor Bear football alum uh, that's a, a team player alum. And you know the other guy well, because he was your teammate, Jason Haddock, and now he's on your staff. So uh, Coach Haddock episode nice. will be coming out shortly as well. Um, or when people listen to this, it will have been out. But uh, Jason Haddock, yourself, they, you both played at Baylor. And mm-hmm. you, you played for all five years and you earned the scholarship. You earned a scholarship with two sets of coaches. That's, that's definitely not easy to do. So just kind of describe, first of all, just, just, you know, being a prep superstar, you know, at Clements, I know you had a very good career at Clements, very decorated career. What was that recruitment process like? Were, were there other options outside of Baylor or, or did you always kind of know Baylor was where you wanted to, to, to set your sights on? No, I mean, to be honest, I was kind of open to anywhere. Um, you know, I had gone to some A&M camps. Um, I, I really, really thought I was going to go to A&M. I yeah. mean, I, you know, Tulsa uh, was an option, I think. Um, Texas State or Southwest Texas at that time. Uh, SFA. Uh, but SFA was the only one that was like trying to talk and, and talk about partial. Right. Uh, then everybody else dropped off. I think I honestly feel like A&M thought I was uh, a year older. Because a lot of the contact was made my sophomore year and junior year, they didn't know I was just a sophomore and a junior, you know, and, and was doing different things. So uh, that kind of fell off really quick. So um, the Naval Academy approached yeah. during basketball season. Uh, so I actually missed uh, probably one of our last basketball games to go on my visit in February to the Naval Academy. They were the only ones that were talking about full ride. This was what we want you to do. Go to the prep you know go to the prep school for one year four years of the academy um you'll love it it was great but it was my only option so i ended up going up there um you know spent a semester probably half a semester before i was like nah this isn't for me mm-hmm. i ended up getting all my paperwork done for baylor and tech decided to go to baylor because that was just closer um dave roberts was the head coach at that time um trooper taylor um actually yeah. coach fedora was on the staff at this time okay. you know so there's a lot of yeah. good people on this on Absolutely. this staff dave roberts being the head coach he was previously the oc at notre dame with lou holtz yeah, yeah. so should be pretty cool pretty decorated yeah. right um well coach roberts wasn't you know the most motivating guy mm-hmm. um and didn't say the most positive things about us in the media sure uh so fast forward after that 98 season you know he gets let go and for 99 kevin Steele comes in yeah um but you know back that up i had earned the role at being a walk-on receiver i had got to travel i got to travel to notre dame i got to travel to um 
to, to Nebraska and um, different other games. Um, so I was that guy that was going to be next in line. So I was super excited. Two seniors were about to graduate. It was going to be my time. Um, and then Kevin Steele's group comes in. Mm-hmm. So I have to earn it all back again, which yeah. took probably two seasons, right. um, which was able, I was able to kind of finish up my last two seasons on scholarship, including grad school. Um, but you know, it, it was just one of those things. I, I, there was no other option. Like I wasn't going to go anywhere else. There wasn't the portal or anything sure. like that. Yeah. You know, I was just yeah. going to stick around and, and have a great experience and love football and, and keep playing and set me up for whatever I thought was going to be next. Man, really cool. And I, I know that was Jermaine Alfred, your quarterback. Oh, am, am I, am I getting yeah, my, my well, years? Unfortunately, I could probably say 10 different names. In, in my short amount sure. of time being there. Sure. But yes, Jermaine was that 98 year um, who was a super stud at Baytown Lee under, yeah. you know, Dick Olin. Yep. Um, so, I mean, he could throw the softest balls all over the place, yep. just straight yep. touch, could also throw the deep ball. Um, so he was one of those older guys, along with the Elsa Graham, um, Sean Armistead. And- okay. And a couple other guys, they were great uh, as far as just being older leaders that kind of took me under their wing. Because, yeah, back in the, um, let's see, Jason Haddock was episode 26. He mentioned that because, you know, he was a walk-on that kind of, you know, he was on the scout team and, and kind of that was, you know, throughout the majority mm-hmm. of his career was kind of in that role. And he he listed Jermaine Alford as a guy that just oh, yeah. really went a, out of his way to kind of recognize the contributions of the scout team players and so that just yes. says a lot to me. So, and obviously he's six and where's, where's coach Alfred at now? So I don't think he's coaching anymore. Oh, okay. uh, when I first got the Clements job, Larry McRae, who was at Clear Lake, Clear Lake just yes. got the job there. Uh, Jermaine was his OC That's correct. Yeah. Um, for at least two, you know, maybe three seasons. Um, but now I think he's uh, primarily working with his um, quarterback club. Oh, very cool. Quarterback training. Okay. And then, you know, another name that came up in the Coach Haddock episode was Ethan Kelly. And that's, uh, that yeah. definitely rung a bell with me just because I, not that I ever knew him or anything, but I just remember he was, you know, near your age and he, that he went to Kempner. So I always kind of had an interest mm-hmm. in him, kind of followed him a little bit. So did, did you get a chance to really get to know Ethan, you know, when you're up there? And, and oh, absolutely. Was, yeah. What was he like? So Ethan and Derek Piercy, two Kempner guys. That's right. One was he, a so lineman, did you play one against was them a in D-line. high school? Or directly no, or missed them. It, missed they might have been younger guys. They might have right. been maybe sophomores when I was a senior. Okay. Um, but yeah, never don't remember them specifically. But yeah. yeah, when they got up there, you know, it was like, all right, we got some some Sugarland yeah. talent here. And yeah. you know, it wasn't until about a year later that Jonathan Golden, who played running back at Clements, that's right. Uh, he ends up coming up uh to to Baylor at around two thousand. And um, so I mean we had a good little pipeline of Houston talent. Uh, you know, Odell James from MacArthur. Yeah. Um, that, yep. uh, Chris Meshaw from Jersey Village, Daryl Bush from J- Daryl Bo- uh, Jersey Village, um, Robert Strait from Yates. I mean, there was like, you just looked around just Houston area alone. And then, you know, some Dallas area, Daniel Will Turner from Madison. I mean, there were some dudes on this team and, and we just needed uh, a good vision and leadership to kind of get everything together. You know, and that was another thing I, you know, I want to bring up now that you, you talked about Jonathan Golden, that uh, Bill Burling, man, he, he got to kind of near the, near the end of his career. You know, he had some down teams after, after you had left, you know, Clements had kind of gone down a, a little bit, We're, you know, kind of towards the bottom of the standings. But that, that year that I was a sophomore, 
And of course, Devon mm-hmm. and DeMar Darling were, you know, starring for the Austin Bulldogs. It was coming down yeah. to the wire for the district championship between Austin, who was kind of a favorite with, with players like, like the Darlings, and Clements busted out right. that year. And, and it kind of reminded me of your team this year, honestly speaking. That, that, that That's kind of what I, I saw some correlations between this, this you know, uh, storybook year you had this year and that that clements team in 2000 but jonathan golden was was the star running back uh that year and they pulled off a, a big win against the austin bulldogs and i still i just always remember coach berlin getting dunked uh with water <laughs> after that game yeah I, I feel like that might have been one of the years if not that year the year after that uh they were may have been the only ones to beat hastings that year or wow. something like that and i think yeah. hastings ended up going pretty deep either 99 or or 2000 that um I know. I think Jonathan had a, a big role in, in trying to take down the Bears. And I, I just look back at my notes. I want to correct one thing. I want to make sure I, I give the correct credit. I actually, I know Jermaine Alford was, I'm sure, was great uh, to Jason Haddock, but it was actually it was Odell James that he listed. Odell James uh, was the because you you refreshed my memory. It was Odell James from Aldi MacArthur. So, and I always I love Odell James's photo is in the press box at Thorn Stadium because I still do broadcasting up there. So oh, I always love seeing it. But let, let's just uh, talk about that for a Kobo. second. He obviously went above and beyond to, to thank the scout teamers. So can you just talk a little mm-hmm. bit about what Odell James's personality was like? I'm as an Aldine guy, I'm just dying to hear it. He, he was so laid back. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would think, you know, we had a we had Dre Fuller, who was a receiver from Aldine High. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously Aldi MacArthur, man, you know, just, you know, we would always have the fun little beef about South side, North side, yep, yep. Southwest side, all that yep. good stuff. But Odell was just a low key yeah. guy. He just, he wanted to compete. Um, it's funny. I just saw him at coaching school. He's on Duncanville staff now. Really? Okay. Um, very cool. After taking a couple different stints, you know, working with DFO at Baylor and, and other different avenues over the last, let's say 10 years. But, but now he's on Duncanville staff. He just a just a good dude, a great, genuine guy um, who met his wife at Baylor. Yeah. And, and she was a life changer and really a game changer for him as far as, uh, you know, just they they the connection that they made and, and the changes that he was able to make in his life um, and, and really kind of brought him closer to God and, and closer to doing things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. It was amazing to see. Perfect transition. Perfect segue. You, you're, you're setting me up for this because I mean, uh, we we like to talk about our, our significant others on the Team Player Podcast and celebrate, you know, the the, the <laughs> men and women in our lives, you know, as as coaches. Mm-hmm. And so your your wife Carly is one of those people. I mean, she 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 she's a real one, right? She is she is such a support, such a just a positive person, such a uh, just a, a light of all that is good. You know, I mean, I I just love every interaction that I have with her. And so I believe it was in college that you met her. I may have that off, but I knew you met around that time period. Correct. Or a little bit. Um, actually it was my senior year, her junior year oh, at high school. High school. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So we went to prom together. Uh, we were able to, you know, maintain a friendship, uh, yeah. uh um, you know, almost on the verge of, of dating, but yeah. you know, now she's at UT, I'm at Baylor. Uh, then we do finally get together yeah. for about, you know, six months or so officially, um, and then there's a stint where we're away and we're yeah. both in two year long relationships. And, sure. uh, and, and then we were able to get back together and, and start our family, start our careers. And, yeah, uh, it, it's been, you know, we're going on 19 years now. And Bobby, and not, not, not to embarrass you or anything, but I, I was, you know, last night I'm, I'm watching through Facebook and I just I saw something that really warmed my heart. And you, you know that I love this kind of stuff. You were having a karaoke party at your house. And I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew you'd see it. 
I saw it on your on your reels or whatever, you know, and I was like, oh, man, I would have loved to have been there. Your kids are great. Uh, they were singing some oh Neo gosh. there at the end. I mean, they're <laughs> really. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think that's really that's the true mark of a parent. You know, what do your kids know as far as music? What's yeah. their music database like? And if you can get you all the way from, you know, early 2000s yes. and get some Motown and everything in there, you've done your job. That was awesome. And just seeing you and, and, and Carly, you know, got up there on the mic. And I mean, again, just just such a, a great family that I've always I've just always enjoyed every interaction with you. all. And it's kind of cool uh, that Carly's an Austin Bulldog. And, you know, it's a small world. I went to I went to school in the same grade as her younger sister, Marie. And so we just recently this past summer, we had our 20 year reunion for the class 2002. Uh, Marie was a big part yeah. of how we organized that. So as was I, you know, we got to be on the same commi uh, planning committee. So that was just really cool, uh, you know, getting to see uh, Marie. And the those Christiansons don't age. <laughs> you know, Marie and Carly, no. they, they don't no, get older don't. at all. So. And, and, and the only thing that was different with Marie was that yeah. little baby Rosetta is about to be born. That's and, right. And her yep. fourth child is, is yeah. coming. So uh, that's, that's the only, it's her face is still the same as, when I met her when I was 18 and she was yep. in seventh grade, I think at that time. Yep. Uh, just, just so cool. So we always want to give a shout out. So shout out to Carly uh, for, for everything, you know, that, that she does, but now talking about your coaching career. So you finished up at Baylor. The question that I always ask Bobby, and I know you, you listen to the show, so you know, a question is coming out mm -hmm. of all my guests who are some of the best coaches, award-winning coaches, state championship winning coaches, 70% of them, when they entered college, they thought they were going to do something else. So 70% of my guests, when they entered college, oh, yeah. they were going to do some other career other than coaching. So I always bring it up because I feel like that means it's never too late. But I'm curious with you, when you went to Baylor, did you think you were going to be a coach or were you looking at doing something else? No, no way. <laughs> I, I'm in the 70%. There we go. I was definitely, Kovo, at that time, there was no other option. I was going to the league. I was oh. at Baylor University. Yeah. I was going to earn a scholarship <laughs> and I was going to go play wide receiver, you know, for, for somebody, somebody was going to give me a shot. There, there yeah. wasn't anything other than that at that point. Yeah. Well, then you get a couple seasons in and it's like, all right, well, I've got all of the zero stats. Um, there, there's, I don't know if I'm going to really get that opportunity. So yeah, I kind of had to, pivot a little bit and sure. just kind of adjust the game plan um which i did and i was like okay maybe i do want to coach maybe i want to be around football a little bit um maybe i want to be a ga well that changed when those coaches got fired mm. so when right. that second regime got fired it was like okay now now i really got to find something else um and so i thought i was going to be an athletic administrator i thought i was going to go be an ad somewhere yeah because i had worked with our student athlete advisory committee I had represented the Big 12 on this NCAA committee. Um, so we had done all these different things and got a chance to talk to, you know, all these various committees and affect legislature and all these great things. I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to do this. Got an internship with the NCAA. That, that, that lasted for about six months before I was able to get kind of plucked to the University of Texas to work their compliance and work in their athletic department as what I had just been trained for probably one of the worst decisions, but best decisions sure. because I realized that's not what I want to do. I, I don't want to be a rules guy. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, believe me in 2004, spring of 2004, when I'm seeing in these meetings, Mac Brown, Augie Garrido, wow. Rick Barnes, um, uh, Jody Conrad, uh, you know, I'm like, 
this the lost dodds is the ad i mean i'm this is a bubba thornton bev yeah. curly or kearney these are like the it people of college sports right now and i'm just this little peon rules guy telling them you know to log in their recruiting hours or their mm. practice logs and all this stuff i'm like i don't want to do this this isn't this isn't yeah. what i want to do um i want to be around kids uh so that's when i made the change so very cool so you you, you decided you want to get into coaching and then your first coaching stop you come back home and kind of on the other side of the district though you go way out west uh, to the new squad there, Fort Ben Bush. And you start your career there. I believe Jeff Souls was the coach or Sowles uh, was the coach at the time. How did you, how did you uh, come, how did you come onto that opportunity? What, what was the process there? Well, uh, here's an even mm. crazier story. Coach Hume had just got the Clements job. Right. Coach Molig was actually the head coach at Bush at that time. Oh, that's right. So, that's Yep. Okay. So two former Clements guys. So, the only reason I didn't get a chance to go to Clements is because Coach Mullig acted up or acted sooner. Yeah. But there was another guy that was applying for these two positions at the same time. His name is Brett Sniffen. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the funniest thing because uh, there was a guy on, on Bush's staff, Kenny Johnson, who was you know real good friends with Tanya Correjo and Brett Sniffen. And, and so that was supposed to be that move. And, and it didn't happen. He ended up, mm. Coach Sniffin ended up choosing, because Tanya was at Bush with us. Right. So he goes to Clements. I go to Bush. Wow. And we don't get the chance to reconnect for another four years. Crazy. <laughs> and we never knew each other. I mean, I, I knew no. him as we started to play against. And, you know, and I knew Barry and I knew yeah. uh, Coach Hume. And then, obviously, I get a chance to meet uh, the, the, the rest of the, the, the coaching staff as we're playing against each other, because uh, we were able to get the better of them early on and then they got the better of us later on sure. but it, it was it was an interesting story because I didn't know that either until coach Hume and coach Sniffen had talked about that time period in that particular semester of how they were trying to get their staff together man and, I, and that's funny because I, I I know Scott Mollick really well because like you said he came from Austin so I was a player mm -hmm. when he got that job at Bush and I, I remember him coming I clearly remember this and I was an offensive starter and he, he was a defensive coordinator, but he was just such a great coach that I cried when he came in. It was mm. during offseason. He came in and told us he was leaving. Like I, I was I had tears in my eyes just because I didn't want him to go. And he didn't even coach. Me Absolutely. Directly. You know, he's just that kind of guy. He was that guy. But he he starts the program at Bush and you're there. You're there as well. But then eventually he does move on to become the head coach at Alvin. Correct. Was that the timeline? I, either. I'm not sure if it was head coach, but I, I, he or definitely. AD. Assistant. He definitely moved on to Alvin, possibly right. as just the defensive coordinator okay. under uh, Mike Bass. Oh, I see. Okay, and, and at that point, it was Coach Sowles that came in. Right. So Coach Sowles was the head coach of that 07 year. Okay, and, and was that and that was so the 07 year, like the the, the Clements, thirteen, the, yeah, the thirteen one, and one year, and that was your final year at Bush, correct? That was the final year. And yep. so you miss you miss being a part of that run by one season. By one season, absolutely. But you know, he Derek was supposed to come back for his senior year. I was sure. excited. I'm like, all right, I'm finally getting my chance to come over. Oh, what what do you what do you mean he's he's leaving? He's he's going back to California? Quit? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, the fun so thing is the, the fun thing is though, Bobby, like it's fun to reminisce of Clements coaches about how awesome that year was. But mm -hmm. I'm actually this works out nice, and I'm, I'm not trying to dig in and that you missed it by a year, but I'm really curious. 
I've never talked to someone who game planned for us. I've, I've, you're the first person. This is actually a really interesting little caveat here that I'm, I'm really can't wait to hear what you say. That year of, of Clements going 13 and one, you know, Derek Carr and Chris Lenore. Well, I, I take that back. Derek Ruthart, your offensive coordinator, he was at Seven Lakes, so he he did game plan game plan for us. We played them in the opening game of the season, so I have heard one account. But I'm curious, you're okay. a district rival. What was it like? And I'm just curious, what was it like in the office? Like, what was the discussion? What was your feelings? Like, what what were you seeing when you watched the film? I'm just really curious to hear this. Uh, we I, I knew they were physical. I knew yeah. they were very physical. Um, you know, at Bush at that time, uh, you know, guys could get really full of themselves a lot and and they could rest on what had happened previously sure and and they could rest on that name oh it's just them right. um so having to guard against that but watching what was happening and seeing as the schedule was going on you know obviously 13 and 1 so they were undefeated by the time they got to us uh, it, i mean we knew we had to stop Chris Lenore. Mm -hmm. We knew they had this big old tight end that was breaking my records. Thanks to <laughs> Barry Campbell uh, <laughs> throwing all these things to, to, to I forgot Dilly, about that. Yeah. Um, uh, Walker Dilly. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, uh, we knew we had our hands full and, yeah. and we knew defensively they were going to be in the Miami front. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we didn't really feel like we had anybody that could kind of stretch the field. I mean, it was, it was weird. It, it was definitely weird. And, and then we obviously get the game going and um, I can't remember the score off the hand, but uh, I don't, I don't know if it was very close. Yeah. You know, I, I, I may, I may pull that up later just so we can look back on it and just, just find that score because I'm, I'm you know, when I reminisce of Brett sniffing, the thing mm -hmm. that I remember, and I, I'll pull up these scores so we can check it. But even though we did go, we were 13 and 0. That particular team at Clements, we weren't we weren't rolling over people. You know what I mean? Like we weren't just overwhelming people to where you're gonna you were seeing like fifty to nothing. There was a lot of right. one score games that we won, and 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 we had a really really good group of team, a really good great group of guys. But I mean, they weren't so talented. Um, I think Kyle Hoke and Walker Dilly were the only two that played you know FBS football. Um, mm. we weren't just so talented that we could just overwhelm people, if that makes sense. But it was it, like, like, you know, you described, we we're very physical. We we're very detail oriented. The kids were very incredibly smart and just executed the game. Yeah. Plan. But, um, that, that's, that's really cool, you know, to, to kind of hear, uh, that story there. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about Bush, this is my memory, just from the JV track meets. Mm. And I, I always joke around of coach ride out now, the assistant AD, uh, you know, at Fort Ben ISD, because I have memories of, of, of doing like a, a coach's relay. And I always remember Rideout was one of the legs of the relay for the for for Bush. That's funny. And I'm curious, were, I, were you around? Maybe that maybe it's after you came to Clemens. I don't. I just had that memory. I'm just curious if you remember that as well. I I I don't remember it, but then again, Co uh, Coach Rideout and Coach Sal's and no, Coach Gray was already there the year before. But those guys were already or that that was that year. Uh, I think uh, maybe that that exactly happened in that 08 spring. Um, but then I was kind of checked out anyway at that point and was ready to go, was ready to start going to spring ball at Clements. Um, so I have no recollection of that. I know I don't remember hurting a hamstring running a four by one or yeah. anything like that, but maybe I did and I kind of blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I was able to pull it up and I, I guess I kind of misspoke because that, that game was 45 to nothing. Clements beat Bush. So <laughs> it was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't fun. And, and, and Barry made a point to break the record. Again, yeah. the record back then was like 
30 something catches. I, I think I may have had like 35 and then he gets 36 on a, you know, a wagon eight and he hits him on the corner or something like that. And, yeah. Uh, I think we, there's, there's a picture somewhere of me congratulating him and then wanting to beat up Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's, that's such a great story, but you know, like I was saying though, some of these scores, you know, beat seven lakes, 21 to 20 beat Hightower 30 to 27 Elkins, 35, 21 Dulles, 37, 20 Marshall, 21, 20. And these are really good teams, but you know, for a team that was 13 to one, there's a lot of like one, two score games uh, in there. Um, so right. yeah, it's just a really, a really cool season uh, to look back on. Okay, so now after Bush, though, you you I, I know that you always kind of had it in your heart to return to Clements, just just of all your history there. So what 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 was kind of the, the lead up to you being able to realize that dream to come back to Clements? Well, so I, I had heard about Coach Hume leaving to go to Mansfield. Um, then Coach Knowles gets the job. Um, I think I sent him a email just saying, "Hey, Coach, um, you know we've we've met over the years. Um, just want you to know I'm I'm super." Um, excited uh, for your opportunity and, and would love to be a part of uh, your regime and your staff. Um, I, I think I could offer a lot as your mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, you know, yeah. please, you know, give me some, you know, a consideration. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, he ends up making coach Sniffen the offensive coordinator um, and, you know, only Barry and Jerry end up leaving. So everybody else stays. And so I'm, just here and on the staff and a, an opportunity to coach some DBs and some receivers, um, knowing that we coached two sides of the ball at that time. Yep. And, uh, you know, was able to be a part of that staff and, and get to know the the birds and the Duhans and Kobo yeah. and Cooper <laughs> and Cooper. You know, Longstreet <laughs> yeah. comes in and Correjo comes in. And, yeah. you know, when you look at kind of what that Clements Campbell, you know, Jason Campbell was on the staff, yep. you know, look at what Clements looked like around 2008 2009 you know going into 10 is like wow we had a we had a collection of of guys brian harris and and jason kareem you Talk know about a other sports. brian harris could, mccorkle could yeah mccorkle yep i mean we did had you mention a, longstreet did you a, say longstreet in there oh yeah definitely did? okay yeah I mean, yeah so the longstreet is not man we had we had a staff and so i'm curious like you you know you'd seen all the success that was happening at Clements and all just I, you probably could sense I and mean, we really we really were a family I mean we were having those coaches mm-hmm. gatherings that you were talking so once you actually got to get in there and you were in it was was anything surprising to you or or was it exactly like you expected or was it kind of different than you expected I'm just really curious your perception once you you got into into that coach's office I'd say it was you know as far as camaraderie uh, it was pretty much how Coach Molig had had it shaped. At, at Bush for the sure. three years that yeah. he was there, you know, we were, you know, coach Molig was a, a amazing head coach and Gina Molig was an amazing head coach's wife. So yeah. always had things just, you know, awesome and, and perfect. And they, they gave us such awesome support for, you know, brand new coach, newly married twin boys, yeah. then a baby girl, yeah. you know, so being is, there's a lot of transition in those first three years and, sure. and their support was immeasurable. Um, so then you get to this staff, where <clears throat> unfortunately I, I felt like I was kind of the outsider uh, yeah. only for a brief time though, sure. just because they had already had so many shared experience from such a great season the year before. Um, and, and some people the, the year before that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it kind of, I, I just wanted to put my head down and work and, and just kind of prove my worth and prove my value and, and how I can help uh, this team do whatever our goals were at that time. 
Yeah, shout out to Coach Molig and, and Gina Molig and their son. I remember he was a great quarterback, but I guess he kind of he was still younger. At, he didn't play at Bush, right? He ended up playing at Alvin. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Dusty, their, their Dusty was a good. Dusty. Yeah. Dusty was awesome. Lindsey was a great volleyball player yeah. at Austin. Yeah. You know, great family. But and so just one thing that I missed on your Bush stays, so I want to back up one second because you shared this with me. The story of Martellus Bennett. See, again, another brush of like a, a pro, Ooh. a pro athlete. Martellus Bennett knocking you out of the playoffs when you're coaching basketball, Bush. So t- tell us this story, coach. Heck yeah. Okay. So first off, I probably could have been a head basketball coach sooner than a head football coach okay. because in my first four years, I got a chance to work under Bobby Knotts, Daryl Collins, who's now yeah. the head coach at Hastings, yeah. and Ronnie Courtney, Ooh, uh, wow. you know, a year or two yeah. before getting a chance to yeah. go to, uh, you know, the state, uh, state winning state, actually. So, uh, it, it would have been awesome there. But anyway, going back to the game, you know, so Martellus is a senior. Uh, we're playing at Don Coleman over there at Tully in Stratford. And, um, man, he just top of the key. We're up by one. And he just at the last second takes a three-point shot at the top of the key, left-handed, I think. I even remember just drains it, you know. Yeah. And we were we were a school at that point, you know, still just trying to, get over that hump, you know, do get over that edge of, you know, we were trying to, you know, a leaf Taylor was kind of kicking our butt a lot in sure. football. And then we had a chance basketball wise to kind of get over the hump and um, getting to the playoffs was a big deal. And then getting knocked out was like, okay, that it was fun, but yeah. <laughs> we're that. And then who knew, who knew that that guy was going to turn into such a, a, a fantastic player at AM and then, yeah, you know, Cowboys, sure. Packers, and everything like that. That was that was amazing. Bears. Yeah. No, man. Gr- great story there. And, and, and you know, I'm I'm glad that we got you at Clemens, but I'm I'm. It's unfortunate you missed the state championship at Bush just by a short period. Was it was it the next season or the year after? Oh yeah, it it, it was at least. Yeah, because my guys that was I was coaching on JV all of a sudden you know are, are the big kind big They're time dudes that yeah. were. Yeah. Me, the, the Jordan Clarks, uh, Chris Roy, Denzel Cosper. I mean, it was like those were some of the names. Chris O'Toole, um, I remember O'Toole. Know, who ended yeah. up Marquette. leaving. Yeah. You know, he went to go play at Marquette. So yeah. it was like these were some dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that, unfortunate. Yeah. Hey, can't mess with timing. Timing hey. is what it's supposed to be. Amen. But you know, you you come with us, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned Jason Campbell, another team player alum, but uh, another friend of the show is Dominique Williams. And you said that, that you're coaching, you know, DBs receivers. I know he fell into your, into your uh, position group there. So for people that don't recognize the name Dominique Williams, if you're a fan of the show, you recognize the name Avrion that I say at the uh, end of every episode, you you're probably jam out to our intro exit music. That's him. So Avrion oh, yeah. is the rap name of Dominique Williams. He was just an awesome kid for us. He came uh, freshman year. who's at Willow Ridge. And then he came to Clements his sophomore year. He played on my, uh, my little, uh, you know, sophomore team. I know that's Dominique and I still talk, you know, and we'll, we'll talk yeah, about absolutely. sports and debate sports with coach Campbell or whoever. And, you know, and uh, I know Dominique was a, was a little flustered at first coming over from Willow Ridge, feeling like he probably could have been a varsity kid at Willow Ridge and coming to Clements playing on coach Kovo's, you know, sophomore team. And, you know, same similar thing kind of thing happened to him in basketball. I think Coach Farley, as Coach Campbell talked about, wasn't feeling, you know, Dominique's style of, of point guard play or whatever. So i just curious. Obviously, he's a friend of the show. He means a lot to me. What was it like yeah. coaching Dominique Williams, you know, who went on to have a great career at Midwest, a great career at Clemens as well, but just awesome career at Midwestern yeah. State, all like records in the part return, you know, returns for them and all American status there. So just tell us what it was like coaching Dominique Williams at Clemens. 
Oh man, he he was such a, a fiery guy. You know, he yeah. he was so passionate. Um, you know, just somebody who wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but man, he played so much bigger than what he was, and, yeah. and loved the heck out of him. He was so instrumental in you know being in that secondary, but then also uh, whether we were asking him to run routes or or block, he was one of our most physical blockers that we would have. Mm-hmm. And, and then obviously his return game was huge you know as far as winning that phase of the game um but those guys i mean around that time period you know the the, the dominique williams and, and the dambuyas and the draw yeah. johnson scotty garcia ray yeah. hopman you know all those guys and then you got into the later on with you know i think tyler cruz was probably with the cruzy was with uh-huh. them yep. but then you got to stifflemeyer and yeah. and gr and yeah cell and all those guys man that, that was some fun people to be around and and, you know we talk about that specialness of clements and you know i don't know what it is about some of our kids were just able to to have conversations with adults and have somewhat of that maturity that was amazing amazing for us to be able to talk to these kids like almost not yet but almost to like a peer level you know, and, and to be able to have meetings and go through different discussions with them about football and then obviously about life and, you know, kind of always connecting things. It was so much fun. Yeah. No, and, and Coach Stephen mentioned that in his episode as well. He, that, that, that saying that, like, they could talk to adults. And some people may kind of raise their eyebrows, be like, well, what does that mean? You know, what do you, what do you mean? But, but like, the, I totally agree with them. Just the level mm-hmm. of maturity that these kids, it, it, I, I remember that about Kyle Hoke. And Dylan Thorwaldson, particularly, they're, they're in my, like, yeah. they, I felt like they were like older than me. <laughs> I was, you know, like they were just so mature and they had that ability. And, and I, Coach Stiffen believes, and I believe it too, like that translates to being a successful person oh, on the field or in absolutely. the business world or whatever. So, yeah, so I totally, uh, you know, totally agree with their coach. And any other memories uh, as we kind of move on from the Clements chapter, as far as players or coaches or any, anything else you want to share from, from your first stint um, as a coach? No, I, I mean, uh, Jesse Cummins was, was a great guy, yeah. uh, being able to coach Chandler coffee, um, yeah. who, who unfortunately, unfortunately passed away, uh, here, oh. here recently. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Elliot, Elliot coffee, yeah. uh, let us know that probably yeah. about a month or so ago, but, um, you know, those were, those are great kids, you know, and all of them are like in their thirties now. And, yeah. and that's so amazing to see. You know, whether even I see different things on Facebook or, or just out in the public, you know, some of my Bush kids, it's like, man, what we do is so impactful. Yeah. And, and it's just it's, it's amazing to be able to, one, be remembered, but be remembered in a positive light, you know, from all of these um, adults with their own families at this point. Now, this this portion came up in in the Brett Sniffen episode, and I don't want to rehash bad memories but you know we did have a little snafu when coach sniffin got the job at ridgepoint and he mm-hmm. he was dead set that you were to be his offensive coordinator and that yeah. that's kind of the, that was the position you were aspiring to and as we kind of discussed that it, it was not the role that you had at clements but that you know that was your next step in your career your goal and coach sniffin wanted that and you were prepared to do that you were you were going to come over and be the offensive coordinator and i i recall vividly standing in the in the cafeteria Baines Middle School we're doing kind of like a pep rally you know getting ready to meet the kid not, not a true pep rally but like firing up the kids getting them ready for football and coach Sniffin introduces my offensive coordinator Bobby Darnell you know and that yeah. didn't end up working out and you had to 
due to due to several things outside of coach's control or your control. And you had to return, you know, for another season. You had to stay one more year in you know, Clements. And I know you love Clements, so it's not like it was like a, a, a sentence or anything, but it, it had to be right. hard when you've already kind of moved on to not you're thinking about starting your offense. Finally, you get the keys to the car and you're kind of getting to, you know, to, to take that step and be a part of something new at, at, at Ridgepoint and be one of those original Panthers. So just for coaches listening, that's going to happen to us in the coaching profession. There's going to yeah. be times where we get promised something and for factors outside of your control, it just doesn't work out. How did you right. process that, Bobby? Because I know a lot of people can go to a, a dark place and, and, and brood on that, but I, I know you really well. I don't think you did that, but just can't, what did you, can you describe to the listeners what happened and, and kind of what your next step was after that? Absolutely. You know, I think we go back to probably spring of 2010. Mm-hmm. Coach Sniffen has got get the job. He, yeah. he gets it. We're already working on a list of things. I mean, yeah. I, I was going through all kinds of different things. Just, you know, we, we were going, we were, okay, we need to order this. We need to order that, um, you know, host of different things. Um, get introduced at Baines. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I still have, I think I still have my OG gray yeah. Panther shirt Yeah. Um, that we're introduced to. Hey, hello, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's the same year that the riffs, you know, yeah, reduction right. in force happens. Yep. And the, that, that particular principal wanted me to go into special ed. Well, mm. that was the one area that got hit the most. Right. So right. needless to say, I wasn't able to go. Uh, Coach Knowles then makes me special teams coordinator mm-hmm. at, um, you know, you know, for that 2010 season. Um, and, and we go, we go have fun. You know, we obviously had had a pretty successful season the year before that 09 season going seven and three and because of zone play we, yeah. we don't get a chance to go to the playoffs but you know 2010 we we go do do what we can and and have fun doing it um and eventually led to that opportunity to leave and start going to spring practice uh that fall of 11 or spring of 11 yeah and that, that riff time i mean you know team player alum jason campbell he got caught up in the riff and he told that story of the principal coming to his classroom yeah. at Clements high school and just almost like it's a bad dream. Like he's, he just got completely blindsided. And so, yeah, we're not, we're not, it, it happened, you know, but it just, it really, it was really unfortunate the way that that played out, you know, for you, but like as a consummate professional, you didn't skip a beat, you know, and, but we carried on at Ridgepoint and it became, it became where I, I really had to become a, a right-hand man with, with, with your absence, you know, cause you were going to be, you were going to be that guy. And I was going to be kind of the, you know, <laughs> third, you know, and I had to kind of step up and, and, and kind of fill that role for a year. And I did my best and we had other great coaches, you know, coach Dober, you know, was a guy that just kind of fell into our lap there and, and, was, and was a big, right. there. Um, and, and we got it going, but to me and for any, I know a lot of Ridgepoint former players listen to this, um, you know, Hayden, Hayden Paz is, you know, is a big fan. Mike Obi is a very loyal fan. He's a fellow podcaster, uh, you know, check out All the right. Insight podcast, but for those Ridgepoint guys that listen, we, we got off to a rocky start in, in my opinion. I, I think people see the success at Ridgepoint and all those straight district championships. And I think a lot of people that weren't there from the beginning and you didn't, mm-hmm. you weren't quite inside of it, but like, we didn't have a great, we didn't like burst onto the scene and just dominate everyone right off the bat. I mean, it was right, a situation, right. yeah, a situation where a lot of the a lot of the players they could have remained at Elkins or Hightower, right? If they're varsity players, mm-hmm. and we were just brand new, and we need we needed kids going through offseason. Coach Sniffen described in his episode a lot of the Ridgepoint kids were kind of removed from the offseason to an extent, you know, at, at their prior school, so they they were kind of behind. Right. We 
we struggled. So I felt I was struggling as a very young defensive coordinator, learning the ropes. I felt like you gave us a lifeline, Bobby, you know, and that's why in, in coach Stephen's episode, I talk about, I mean, he, he's going to, he, he put the praise everywhere as he well should, but like, I really thought you, when you came, the dynamic changed, you had that ability to just bring in an air of confidence to our program. In my opinion, like mm-hmm. I, you have that ability. You just have wow. that walk, man. You just, you have that, you have that it factor. And I remember like a lot of Ridgepoint Panthers and probably Clements guys. Now they know what gut checks are. And this is just a, it's always been a big part of your staple yeah. of your off season and your summer workouts. And I, I just remember you in these gut checks and just getting on the kids and you, you're the kind of person that you're friendly and approachable. And so you're a kid magnet. So you get the kids co- to come out to football and want to be there. Mm-hmm. But once they're there, you're not their friend. You're the furthest thing from it. I remember watching from the, when we're on the defensive field. I watched the offense just go through rep after rep after rep, you know, on airs, you're, you're repping your plays. And it's just, it's in, you're, you're intense every single play, Bobby. So that's wow. my recollection. Yeah, of it. I'm, yeah, man. I'm curious for you. How did you feel whenever you got to Ridgepoint? When you got when you got there and you, you laid eyes on it now, now you're actually inside. What was your assessment? Did did you did you feel like me that maybe like wow, there's still a lot of work to be done? Or how did you? I'm just curious. Like when you got in there, what 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 did you see? What did you think? And then what was like what was your plan to get us going? Well, you know, being able to go through spring ball and then leading into that JV year. So you know, we were fortunate enough to get two JV years. That's yeah. that was huge. Yeah. Um, you know, that was. That was fun and exciting to just kind of just throw yourself all in, like yeah. all immersed just in it. And and how do we make this ours? You know, y'all had opened up the school with, you know, 500 kids and, and yeah. to be in this huge Taj Mahal of the building, you know, the newest yeah. school in the district and only have, you know, a handful of kids really. And, you know, even less than that in the football program you know, was, was amazing for me to at least start coming out there during spring. And we started talking about what it is that we want to be able to do and, and how we want to do it and how, you know, it was going to be coach Sniffen's vision for what this school can be and, and how it can be, you know, it, it's funny. I always talk about, you know, Hey, this was at Clements first, then, you know, it came to Ridgepoint yeah. and then now it's back. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it just yeah. kind of morphed a little bit here and there, but it's what we do. It's what we did as far as at Clements originally. Um, so you get to that JV year and, you know, we have all this talented guys, you know, again, I don't know if it was those freshmen that came up, which I think it might've been maybe the freshmen and sophomores from the yeah. first year were great kids, maybe not enough of them. Right. But then when I got over there and those freshmen were there, it was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, we, we've got, a lot of guys, you know, we've got some dudes that probably would have been dudes at their other schools. Sure. Um, so being able to just kind of look at, okay, what exactly we want to be able to do and have that JV year was huge, you know, cause obviously I think coach Sniffen talked about it and you talked about it. We treated it like a varsity season, yeah. you know, we were going to play our sub varsity game and hopefully dominate whoever that district opponent was, but then we were going to go scout and we were going to yeah. go figure out what other schools are doing because uh, we didn't know what district we were going to be in. So, I mean, what we ended up losing to George ranch, maybe like eight to six or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think clear falls came to us and, and beat us yeah. by maybe, maybe a lot. I don't know, but then we steamrolled everybody else. That's correct. Yeah. You know, as, as far as my memories. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how I remember it too. Um, but then, you know, then we get to 
just developing and kind of figuring out, okay, what else can we do? And, you know, Derek and I really together kind of came up with certain things that we want to be able to do and certain concepts and, okay, what's your idea? What's the idea? Okay. How are we going to communicate this? And a decade later, it's the same thing. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got two different schools uh, and so many sets of kids, thousands, you know, hundreds of kids that we all have the same terminology. We have the same language that we could, you know, throw something up real quick and they know, I know what they're running. I know what they're doing right now. You know, and, yeah. and that's such yeah. a, a, it's a huge, just family, community, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's a togetherness and it's such a crazy bond, um, you know, which obviously led to, like you said, that 12 season, what did we go? Five and six, you know? Yeah. We, so, you know, we actually had a losing record, but we right. went to the first round of the playoffs, you know, go into a, you know, a crazy good North Forest team. Um, but I mean, we, we, we tried to battle back, you know, we tried to fight and, and, and fight and battle back. And that, I think that in, in all of the games that right there was a springboard to what they're still doing today. That game right there e eclipsed everything and, and just springboard. Okay this is not us. This is what we're going to do to do, you know, to change it. Yeah. That, that's funny. You bring that up. I'm, I'm looking back at these scores that first year and it's kind of verifying my recollection of it, Bobby. I thought you guys in the offensive staff did great. We weren't holding our end of the rope on defense that year. And I, like I said, I, I was still growing and, and learning and uh, you know, I I'll take full responsibility for that. Cause I look at some of these games, like, man, I, that dullest game, we lose 36, 31. That was one that I felt like, wow, we, we can be really good. You know, we're, we're going toe-to-toe, yeah. -to -toe, you know, this school from a bigger classification that's an established program, and we're, we just got – we can't stop them. <laughs> and I was like, that's on me. <laughs> so Maurice Smith yeah. and his dad like to train at our school a lot, yeah. um, usually in the mornings. And I brought that up a couple weeks ago because uh, I let, you know, Maurice Smith, who obviously yeah. ran the corner against Matt Rubel, and that was the winning yeah. touchdown. Goes off to Alabama and Georgia and does his thing. He's, you know, playing in the league. So I let him talk to our kids, you know, this is right. like three that. weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I brought that up to him. He was like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that exact play. I, I hit him with a little uh, stick move, yeah. got to the corner and, you know, whoever that quarterback was at that time, just laid it up perfectly. I was yeah. like, dang it. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, but we started, we started getting a little better after that. The next year, you know, we think things started really turning around, but I guess a question that comes up a lot on this show you know, we've had a former guest that played at Tom Ball Memorial, Ben Moran, episode seven. And he was right, a part right. of that first class. And so we played Tom Ball Memorial in that dreaded, you you know, the story of, of when I ordered the bus and it came late and I thought I was going to get fired. And I was just incredibly, <laughs> that, that was like one of those. <laughs> but, that you know, was a great episode. That was a great episode. But he, you know, he, he was a part of a team. I always just like to ask coaches about this since you've been a part of, of doing it one way. He was a part of a team that started a varsity program with only juniors. He felt like that's the way to go. He felt like, Hey, we, yeah, we got, we took our lumps, but we got better, you know, we, and we came back and everybody's coming back and we felt good the next year. You were a part of a team that started with seniors. Coach Sniffen says that's really the way to go. That's coach Sniffen talked about that on his episode. And Yes, it's a big sacrifice for those seniors because they could have played varsity somewhere else. You know, that they do mm -hmm. sacrifice those years of playing JV football during their junior year. Um, Zane Brown, another team player alum, uh, you know, he was at Travis. 
He had he had to do mm, the same yeah. thing. He was a stud coming from Bush. You probably know of him a little bit. And, you yeah. know, he had to play JV as a junior, but then they had a great first year at Travis. So I'm, I'm curious to your opinion. You've kind of seen it both. What what would you do? You know, one day you may be an AD, Bobby. I could definitely see that. How would you structure that? What's your opinion? What, what's the ideal way to start a varsity football program? Would you start with play a season of just juniors or would you wait till everyone's seniors like Ridgepoint did? I, I'm going to go in the, the senior camp. Okay. I mean, I think there's nothing quite like being able to establish your brand of football, your culture for as long as you can until you have to unveil it yeah. on the varsity level. Yeah. You know, so if you, if you get two years to be able to do that, that's huge. I mean, that is huge. So, I mean, I, you know, the, the taking the lumps part is just what people say because they had no choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think, yeah, you got to take your lumps. Well, yeah, absolutely. But if, if you had a ch- chance to maybe gain a year of experience, would you have chosen that? I think a lot of us would say, yes, anybody would love to have a dress rehearsal, you know, before yeah. you, you go out for the big show. I, I think I would definitely be on that senior page. I mean, yeah, let's, let's go JV for as long as we can. You know, even if, you know, what some people are doing the, you know, what did, what did Jordan, Jordan kind of played a modify a, a crazy schedule yeah. last year going to different smaller sure. schools. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe, but um, definitely not just roll out the carpet. Let's, let's throw the balls out there and let's play some five, a or six, a ball. It's eh, there's some good football out there. Yeah. I think you're setting yourself up. No, this has been great. Now I've, I've gotten, you know, um, like I said, Ben Moran said he votes for the juniors. Uh, Keith Johnston's another guest of ours who hasn't been released yet, but I've recorded it. He played football in the 60s. He, he was a part of a, a program that played just juniors, and he liked that. He liked it. But, again, that was a long time ago, and I say, you know, and, and things have changed. But that's two votes for play of juniors, but we now have three votes for start with seniors. That's yourself, okay. Coach Sniffin, and, and Zane Brown. He said, yeah, it sucked. As a, as a player, I want to play as a junior. <laughs> he said, as a player, right. I want to play as a junior. But now that I've been a coach – I think Travis did it the right way. That that's it. That was his opinion. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Very interesting there. Now let's just talk a little about Ridgepoint. Obviously, we had some great success. I, I always remember that year that we had the twelve and one year. We we lose on on the heartbreaking last second field goal to Temple. I remember, and I maybe, this is my memory of it. And I don't know if you remember it differently, but I remember we'd always have our pregame meal. I forget the name of the the restaurant, but right there off Highway Six in front of Siena. Where you know mm-hmm. the day of the game, you you myself and Coach Sniffin after the kids had gone off to lunch and we had a little bit of time, we'd go eat a meal together. The way that I remember, hogs and chicks, hogs and chicks. That there it is, there it is, hogs and chicks. <laughs> that that was our spot. And so I remember us sitting there, and I don't know. If, I'm assuming you were the same way because you you were only at a very small number of schools in your career. But I never looked at a job board. I honestly, I never looked at a job mm. board. I, I I started at Clements. I went to Ridgepoint because Coach Sniffin asked me. And then I was happy there and I, I wasn't ever looking. And so I remember him saying, guys, we've really caught lightning in a bottle. This is an incredible season. You should both start applying places, you know, and you, you, you never know, you know, and you, you want to strike while the iron's hot. That was his, that was his advice. And so that, that's when I started looking and I saw Aldine and I was attracted to that and being a part mm-hmm. of that winning tradition there and the history of it. I love, and, and kind of now they're kind of an underdog and I love that. Uh, so I was attracted to Aldine. What, did you remember it that way or, or kind of what were your thoughts about potentially striking out as a head coach? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I definitely remember it because I think I went for Maid Creek um, oh, yeah. and, and was able to at least, uh, so my first time going for it, I at least got an interview. Yeah. Uh, didn't make it to the second round. Um, but you know, 
yeah, it was like at that time, okay, maybe we should start putting our foot in the water a little bit and testing the waters and, and, and seeing what kind of experience we could get. Um, you know, I fully not thinking that I was ever going to get an opportunity, but to at least sure. go for it, sure. get your resume together and do things of that nature. I, I thought he, he definitely helped us out and, and got us looking towards the future when, you know, a, a lot of times a coach isn't going to do that, you know, right. I, and I feel, I feel like I'm definitely in his mold of doing that. Right. I, I want the best for our kids right now, but I want the best, best for the adults that get to lead these kids. Mm-hmm. So whether you're an assistant with me, uh, how, how do I get you to where you want to go? Yeah. You know, what, what can I do to put you in the best position possible? What experience do you need in, in our program and our list of duties and expectations? You know, what, what experience do you need that that will help you out? You know, those are questions that I ask my coordinators. You know, I don't, I'm never going to be the guy that knows everything and, and, and does everything by the books, so to speak, uh, so to speak. But mm-hmm. what is it that I can do more for you to help you get into this spot? You know, so for Coach Haddock, for Coach Ruthard, yeah. um, for my new special teams coach, uh, Coach Hines, this is, it. it's like, not that my calling has shifted, it's just including you know, yeah. you always want to get your kids to their dreams and goals. I want to get the adults to their dreams and goals, too, if I'm in a position to help that, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And and Bobby, you know, I, I, I'm I now, you know, I'm a broadcaster, I'm a podcaster, and I'm a fan of all my my, my coaching buddies, and I still love it. But I kind of see that. I, I want that for this show, too. I like bringing on assistant coach, young, good assistant coaches, and I want them to get on this, get on the air, tell their story. And I hope that maybe somebody's listening. That's that just, maybe they like what they hear. And maybe this podcast is one small way also to further people. Cause that's what we want, right? We want to just advance everyone. We want to celebrate everyone's successes. So I'm so happy that, that you take that mindset, you know, like coach Sniffin did and you're, you're, oh, you're wanting the best for your staff for sure. Absolutely. Kobo, you're, this is, you know, hopefully I'll have a chance to say this later, but just right now, for me to have learned about so many different coaches and again, I want to be a continual learner. So to pull different things from, you know, Katie Kilgore, Chris O'Or, Keisha Dickerson, Sergio, you know, I'm, I'm like wow. pulling all yes. kinds of things from all of these coaches because they're great coaches and they're local. They're, they're here, you know? So I want to be able to, you know, just that's, that's the way we all can get better and we can all make this world a better place. Nothing needs to be a secret. Let's, let's all find ways to, to help these kids get better, help these adults, you know, let that iron sharpen iron is like, you know, like they say, and man, the, what your passion project that you've started <laughs> is amazing. It's amazing. I, and I can't wait to, to continue to hear and learn from these coaches. And Bobby, I got goosebumps, man. And that's awesome. That says a lot about you. I mean, you're, you're, you're learning from all, and you listen to every episode. You don't just skip through the, you don't just listen to the football ones. Cause that's another thing I try to do. I don't want this to just be a football show. Like I'm bringing in coaches from all these different sports and you're, you listed off so many of them. And I love that. Cause you're trying to learn. And secondly, for coaches, this is a campus athletic coordinator. He's you're probably taking note of maybe some coaches that you like. And if, you, if they ever applied to your school, you may be like, I heard you on the team player podcast. And that, that's what I want. Right. It's a network aspect as well. So yeah, to get your names out there. So please let's get, let's get it. Let's get more and more coaches on this show. Uh, I love it. But as, as we kind of get down towards the Ridge point, you know, ending in the Ridge point portion, 
And mm-hmm. it, we made this episode kind of last minute because I know you're about to go off the football. I, I, I may ask if you're comfortable at the end of the show. If you if you want to give your top five offensive greats of all time, I'd be more than willing if, if you feel like you can do that at the end. I'll give you I'll tell you that now so you have maybe time to ruminate on that because you know Coach okay. Sniffen has done his all-time top five. Coach Hammond is going to release a defensive top five, you know. Uh, so we, Ooh. I would love for you as a longtime offensive coordinator, if if you're ready, just maybe you can start thinking on that okay. a little bit. If you can get a top five, we'll do that at the end of the show. Absolutely, I'm a favorite win. You know, I've told you, me and Mike Obi have become uh, we're both podcasting mm-hmm. now. We were already very close before, but I I I talk to him quite a bit now, and he always will ask me, Coach Kovo, you know, what what game was the one that stood out for you? And I, I have my answer. And I, I've shared okay. on the show a couple of times, but I'm curious for you and, and you got to stay after me, you know, you, you stayed after and you were a part of that team that went all the way to the state semifinals. You, you had some experience right. I'll never get to experience, but do you have one particular game that stands out in your memory, Bobby? Mm, I, you got to go to that 2015 season. Um, first round of the playoffs. We got the sand crabs from freaking yeah. Port Lavaca, Calhoun. Yep. And that option that option is kicking our butt. Yep. It is. I mean, it's kicking our butt. Um, and, and we're not scoring. We're not scoring enough when we do get the ball. You know, we're, we're sitting there on the bench, you know, time's ticking and, you know, waiting to get the ball back. And, yeah. and when we do, um, you know, that second half, you know, three plays in particular, we hit Terry for a mm-hmm. quick screen that he's able to do what Terry does and take it. And then Shane, you know, Shane is able to, the goose is loose. The goose And he got loose on a, on probably a 45 or 50 yard, just zone read that he pulls and he goes all the way. And and then we, we, you know, that, that springboards us to, you know, a couple other wins in, in that year. But, um, that was huge. I mean, that was huge that we just kept on doing what we do um, and, and, and knowing what our identity was and not veering off that path as far as offensively in the game plan and, and everything like that. And then defensively, they just we, we started playing harder and making plays and, and we were able to pull that win out. And, and I think that was huge. Um, I'd say before that, uh, I think beating Texas City. Mm. That was a good one. That year before, uh, I think that was pretty awesome. Beating hell, beating Stratford, you know, beating beating Stratford and Clear Creek. I thought, you know, again, we were the non district was non easy. You know, yeah. it was it was brutal, and you know, to be able to, you know, I know we had um, you know, we had a great meeting after one of those games, and that kind of propelled us throughout the season on on that that year at least, yeah. but I, I would think of any time we beat those guys, um, that other school mm. around the corner. Well, we're going to talk about that beating, for Clements too. <laughs> beating them is always, always <laughs> that, that leapfrogs anything. I'll, I'll win a state, you know, one day, hopefully win a state championship. But as long as I, you know, kind of like the team up North and the team down yep. South. Yep. Yeah, that team around the corner over there in Mo City, that, those guys. As long as we beat them, it's like winning the state state championship. Oh man, such such a great trip down memory lane, Bobby. And that that was also my personal favorite. I've shared that on the show before, and I, mm-hmm. I I remember before that game, I had a, a really close relationship with Kaiser Saint Cyr. 
And if you know that name, mm-hmm. that's the guy who drew the artwork. So our little Kovo wearing the Aldine jersey and the backwards cap. Art Kaiser St. Cyr designed that for me. And he and I developed a close Love relationship. He, he was on my basketball team. You mentioned all those great football, basketball, or some of those basketball players you had on your JV, you know, at Bush. And I, so Kaiser was on my team two years. And mm-hmm. I used to live in Shadow Creek Ranch, you know, at that time when I was coaching at Ridge Point. And Kaiser, we had morning practice. And Kaiser said, well, coach, I ain't got to ride, you know. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> was my answer, like. I'm picking you up. You have a ride. <laughs> so, so he and I became really close. And I just remember that my, my memory in the, that was the game where I've just never been so amped up for a game my entire life. And I know coach Sniffen got amped up for it because coach Sniffen, mm-hmm. I think was, was not enjoying the press coverage at the time. And it's kind of this, the, the, the aura surrounding that game of how we have Richmond hasn't played anybody and they're coming off sub varsity and there's no chance. And we have the funny story of our, our principal, Tammy Edwards, who we all love dearly printed the, the beat, you know, that team t-shirts and beat them and put some pressure on us. But uh, I remember Kaiser in that locker room before the game. It was kind of like, if you've seen the movie Friday night lights, remember at halftime Mm -hmm. when Ivory Christian like goes off and he's like in tears, just like getting everybody motivated for the game. Kaiser St. Cyr did that. And he looks a lot like the actor that played Ivory Christian. It's a long arm defensive end. And Kaiser was just going off, but Hey man, these coaches, they, they love us, man. We gotta, we gotta do this for them. And it was just great. I had tears in my eyes. I'm, I was ready. And we just played such a beautiful game and we got the win that night. But you know, that one, the the first time beating Marshall and and Marshall's a program Mm -hmm. that I just love and respect so much, especially now, you know, James Williams is just a guy that I just hold on the highest pedestal. So that, that wasn't so much of like a rivalry, like, Oh man, just good to to stick it to the rival. It was just like, we've arrived because they're a really good team. They thumped us really last good. year. Like that's when I started thinking, like we can really win this district title. Um, you, you talk about yeah. that win over Stratford. You know, we, we're recently at coaching school when we're recording this, and I got to see my good friend Bill Gary. Bill Gary was like my better help physician. He was like my psychiatrist that night. We were, we were out at our coaches' retreat, and I <laughs> I stayed up late with Bill, and he, he he counseled me as I as I recollected the way that I coached my linebackers wrong against Stratford. We lost. <laughs> we played we played ISO terribly the year before, and I let him run off the cliff and. <laughs> And so that was a great story was funny. reminiscing of Bill Gary. We got him the next year and so many great stories, but you know what stands out for me, Bobby, I love that you talked about that Calhoun game. I didn't think you're going to pick that one, you know, because, you know, obviously mm. like maybe the last second win against uh, Angleton, right. Or, or, you know, games like yeah. that. There's so many, but I love that you talked about that Calhoun game. And here's why I know later, later on this week, you can listen to that James Gage episode. You know, he runs the flex bone option down there at Alvin. And we both talked about, we talked about how we both went to go at only back up one step at Aldine. I considered putting in the flex bone option, Bobby, my second year, uh, just because okay. we were, we went two and eight, we were struggling. I had come in with, with like more of an up-tempo style and yes, we were scoring points, but we we're also giving up 70 points at times. And so losing 70 to 35 isn't great either, <laughs> you know? Right. And so right. I was trying to slow down the pace. And so I, I went, I went all the way down to Port Lavaca and I, I stayed the night with coach Whitaker. He, he uh, clinicked with myself and my offensive wow. coordinator, Nate Schallenberger. And Coach Gage had kind of done a similar thing, meeting Coach Whitaker. He is the godfather of the option down here, and he's an all-dean guy. He coached under wow. uh, legendary Coach Bill Smith. But anyhow, oh wow! from that episode, what you described, Coach Whitaker had that game going exactly the way that he wanted. He's got this high-powered offense and yourself, offensive coordinator, sitting on the sideline waiting. And yeah, the so for coaches listening, and we're not going to get too much into like the schematics and X's and O's, but for coaches listening, what you described I think was pivotal not changing anything that's what they want right these options right. they want to jump out ahead of you and make you feel pressure that the top the clock's ticking and make you change what you do 
And yeah. so I, I say kudos to yourself and kudos to coach Sniffin for sticking with that. So just last thing I want to say about that game, just from, from that particular facet, what was the conversation in the headphones in the locker room at half or what was the conversation in the locker room at halftime? And then on the headphones, as far as sticking to the plan, because I was, the pressure had to be mounting. I was in the stands watching it. I was starting to sweat. Mm. Uh, you know, what, what was the conversation to just keep doing what you did? I'm really curious about that. <clears throat> Unfortunately, specifics, sure. uh, the, 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 the main theme of it was we just got to, we, we just got to keep doing what we do. Just keep doing what we do. Like just, 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 just keep believing, keep believing. And yeah. that's kind of what we were trying to portray to the kids. You know, obviously th- that group of kids were very emotional and they could have gone the way of whatever we leaked out, whatever we yeah. saw and, you know, how we were handling it and our body language that we would show could have easily trickled to them. Um, yeah. But, but we weren't, we were, we were very, very focused, very stoic on how we want to be able to continue to do us and be us. And, and that's what we were able to do. You know, it was, it was an amazing. And, and yeah. none of that stuff after that happens without that, you know, without that huge hurdle, and and overcoming adversity you know we don't we don't play in nrg three times yep. we don't yep. go to the alamo dome yep. you know one time over those next four weeks you know yep. we don't get to game 15 without securing that and overcoming that game love it i love it and just the thing that stood out to me bobby instead of like getting panicked and starting to chunk the ball deep you, i remember you saying you scored on a quick screen and you scored on his own read so I mean that coaches remember that just basic plays. Yeah. If you could, if you just keep sticking with it, they can pop. And so kudos to y'all, yeah, man. Absolutely. That was a, a thrilling comeback. Ooh, but, real quick, yeah. do you remember the vibe pregame of that Elkins game? Yeah. Oh yeah. You remember they they brought out their speakers and they're playing music, and they pulled out the Frankie Beverly and Mays. Um, uh, 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 ah. You make me have I can't think of the yeah, name of it. It's yeah. basically the Beyonce song now too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Before I let go. Yeah. And I just remember that specific because that's Cam Townsend and that's yeah. Torian and yeah. and you know it's like that's right up there, Alley. So they yep. were they were done. They were done at their own hands. Yep. You played that music because that's what you like, Coach Brantley, and I love you to death, Coach B. Yeah. Y'all were done because you played what we, what our guys loved and triggered them. Oh my God. It was amazing. I had, I had forgotten that portion, but now that you bring that up, I do remember it. And you are so right. You are. So, and that's one thing I Ooh. wish I would have brought up on the coach sniffing episode about the way that our guys were during pregame. He referenced it that Remus Bulmer said, coach, can we play music? <laughs> and at first coach Simmons didn't want to do it. And he, and he said he hated the music. And so he'd go out, you know, he'd walk some up, but you're right. That group of guys, I think Elkins was maybe using that as a psychological intimidator. Like, look how loose we are. And mm-hmm. It's like, you can't get looser than us. <laughs> no, we were dancing. I, I, I yeah. think I might've saw the electric slide. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> they were ready. They uh, were ready. I love those kids, man. Coach Sivan told the story, and I remember this too, of Torian Williams, our, our standout defensive end. She, he walks into the field house. You know, we got like a Saturday night game. We're coming reporting on Saturday afternoon. He walks in carrying a rolling suitcase. He's carrying a rolling suitcase. He has a Navy sports coat on, and he, he's, you know, he's got slacks and his polo Navy sports coat. He's got glasses, sunglasses on, and, he, and everybody's just dying laughing as he walks in. He's just straight-faced. What? I'm on a business trip. 
<laughs> and then he walks off to the locker room, opens up his, he zips open his little suitcase and starts putting his stuff out for the game, you know? <laughs> Business trip. Well, you remember that year before um, when we were playing at U of H against Foster, Yeah, they slid the note underneath the divider to yeah. them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember what the note said. It might have just said hi or something <laughs> like that. But I know Torian was like, <laughs> and slid it under. <laughs> God, those guys are so awesome, man. That was us. And, and one last us. thing about that. Do you remember them playing baseball? All, they would always play baseball during the walk. Oh, yeah. Grab the pylon and use it as a baseball bat. And they actually had some kind of ball. I don't know what it, it was like a lacrosse. I don't know what it was. They had some kind of ball oh, they yeah. were throwing. <laughs> I, remember, I remember it being played at, um, at the Berry Center. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I was like, yep. All right, we're, we're good to go. We're, we're ready. And such great memories, coach. But yeah, as we move forward now to your your current role and you came home, you know, Mm -hmm. the prodigal son returned, you know, to Clements. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. you know, you had that, uh, you you applied at Maid Creek, but I know you said it was kind of just more of just gaining uh, interview experience kind of thing. Was Clements always your, did you, did you, is that kind of the way that you dreamed it? Did you see yourself returning to Clements? And you live in the area, you live very close to the campus. So was that your goal or, or did it just kind of worked out nicely for you that way? I, I think it was maybe even without me knowing it, it was yeah. definitely my goal um, between Clements and Maid Creek. I was a finalist for Travis. Oh, really? Um, you know, so that yeah. was, but that was leading into that was, so that was spring of 15. So that was before yeah. our big season uh, of the fall of 15. Um, but you know, coach system gets yeah. it, you know, yep. and Trey is a, an amazing, awesome coach. Miss yep. yep. um, Diaz went with him as far as having experience and, and, you know, the rest is history from there. So um, then, you know, again, huge amount of respect for, for coach Knowles and, and the eight years that he was at Clements uh, and for whatever reason uh, decided to uh, get a change of scenery and it, it came open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't think of anybody else that was going to be more invested in trying to get Clements back to uh, a point of my recollection and my memories um, than myself. And Bobby, you know, again, like Coach Knowles is someone we know very, very well and had some great seasons. But, you know, unfortunately, towards the end of that tenure, it, the, 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 the it was really beginning to dry up and Clemens was, was beginning to become on the, the losing end and some really, some really one-sided defeats and really the numbers numbers became a big problem, you know, for Clemens. And right. I, I recall your first season, you had some difficult games, you know, mm-hmm. and I can really relate, you know, just the year before I'd gone off to Aldine and, and was having some, some similar problems. You know, my, my career coaching record, I say on the show was two and 18. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, two of those was two and eight, the first years, so that was actually kind of my better year. And I, I have experienced an 0 and 10 season. You know, my first ever year coaching was 13 and one at Clements. And then I, my last year coaching was an 0 and 10. So I've seen it all in this game. Yeah, there you go. I've seen it all, but <laughs> you've been in it long enough and you will. Yeah. yeah. So as you were experiencing that, you know, as someone who was your friend and someone that experienced a similar, and again, I had no intense season. I, I think, I guess your first year I was going through an 0 and 10 season. So I, I can fully relate to kind of what was happening. I just want to know from your perspective and for coaches listening, you know, you, you get your first, everybody's excited to become a head coach, right? You're excited right. and you're, you're ready and you just, you're you going to change the culture and you're going to do that. You know, we all have that. Right. But right. then sometimes it just, it doesn't happen. It's, or I don't say sometimes it's not going to happen right away. 99% of the time. What Absolutely. Was that, can you, Bobby, can you describe for all of our coaches and fans and stuff listening? What, what was that first year like at Clemens? 
you know, so getting able, being able to get over there, you know, I think I was able to get there in February, maybe February 1st and, you know, see what off season is going on and, and what they're doing and um, how it was different than what we had done at Ridgepoint and previously done it at, at Clements. And um, so I, we, we ramped that. And so we got that going in another direction and, and we have spring ball and, you know, I'm inheriting these coaches I uh, was only able to bring one and that was coach Dober uh, to, you know, let him be that first opportunity to be the uh, defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that first game we go out and beat Sam Rayburn yeah. and it's one and oh, my year, my, my career started off one and oh, yeah. we're rocking and rolling. Um, and then the rest of the year happens and, yeah. and it's yeah. nothing that we weren't working hard enough. It wasn't, right. we weren't trying to be, great coaches and we weren't trying to instill these the great things in the coach in the players it, it just we were just outmatched every single week um to a point where 86 to 20 will be ingrained in my mind forever and and i've put that in a presentation that i've shown other coaches and i've shown our kids about just being relentless and, and where that source of relentless effort comes from from 86 to 20 and being in that position that nothing seemed to go right. And it just was a snowball effect. So that's trying to stay the furthest away from ever feeling that like that again, has us working today on a whatever day, you know, whether it's six months away from a season, seven months away from a season. And also, yeah, it better be hard. We're going to do hard things all the time because that was hard. So there's nothing that can, you can do in an off season or a summer that can be harder or worse of a feeling than going oh and nine or one and nine, you know. So let's make things hard so that that feeling, th- those are separate feelings. The feeling of going through a hard workout for an hour, the feeling of going through a gut check, the feeling of exhausting everything. I'll get over that in about twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Get some food in you, get some electrolytes, get some Gatorade, whatever. You, you go through a 45 to nothing, uh, an 86 to 20 after putting in all the work and effort from game planning to attempt to execute. Yep. That it's a completely different pain of, you know, and, and, and disappointment. So that's, you know, from that moment on, you know, going through that, it was like, okay, let's adjust. And that's what it is every year. Because you're never going to have that same year, right? You're never going to have that same team. That's that team is going to be that team, and then it's over. All right, so let's evaluate. What can we do different? What do we like? What do we do good? What do we do better? What what is it? And that's all. It, the last six years, going into year seven, has been a constant evaluation every single off season, right after the season. Where were our deficiencies? What's the focus for off season? And then let's attack it. Let's attack that not necessarily a weakness, but that grow, you know, everyone talks about the glows and grows these days, you know, okay, well, where did we glow? And then where can we grow? We had a lot of growth. We had a lot of growth. Um, but, you know, it, it's been a fun path. It's been a fun journey because I'll tell you the, the main thing I think that that really changed was just chemistry, chemistry alone, chemistry on the staff, chemistry amongst our players, togetherness with our staff, togetherness with our players. Uh, I think that's the main thing. 
And that, it, it really is incredible, man. I look back at that first season because I remember your first year is my last year, and I, I watched that tape of y'all beating Rayburn. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I like that. I like what I'm seeing here because we we played Rayburn. We were the yeah. ones that snapped their their record losing streak. <laughs> that the, when we got to them later that year, we we went out to pass to we went to old get pass a get down Dina, and uh, that running back, I think his name was Stanley Hackett. Yes. We couldn't stop him. I think if he wasn't there, I like. I think we 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 get that win, but we just could not stop him that night, and uh, so we fell to the Rayburn Texans. Who you got that first win? But Bobby, you know that first year, twenty sixteen. You know you went one and nine. The next year was zero and nine. Unfortunately, I guess it was Harvey. I take it took away your your shot to play Rayburn again. Oh, or... Kobo, yeah. Harvey took away everything. So mm-hmm. you know we we barely get a chance to do our scrimmage against Willow Ridge. The the hurricane comes in that next Friday or so. So we're out like a week. Yeah. They say, okay, hey, why don't you go ahead and get a scrimmage again and then we'll get the season going. So we end up scrimmaging Maid Creek at Legacy. Yeah. And like four of our linemen go down, like not just hurt, season ending, it's yep. over. So yeah, 09 happens when you don't have enough linemen. <laughs> That's for dang sure. So you you it's it's fun to be creative offensively, but when you just don't have people to block for them, it was that was a challenge. That was you know we can you can only be as creative as possible, but that was uh, definitely a challenge. The scores definitely that was a tough one. Yeah, so you, you got to experience. I'm mean, probably I'm mean, guess imagine this is the first time in your life you experienced a winless season. Uh, yes, that was it. What was that like? I mean, I've I've been through it. I've experienced a, a winless season. You know, my last year at Aldine, we went over in the program. Every every level, JV freshman mm-hmm. lost the game. That our Stovall Middle School, our feeder lost every game. And so I've been in that where it just it feels like man. Well, and that that was a big reason why I, I just felt like I wasn't meeting. I wasn't meeting my own expectation. I said, "What am I doing? I'm I'm not right. leading these kids the right." It's kind of like the Stratford game in a sense. I just like I'm not leading the right way. We're not getting better. Right. You know, I, I felt that way. How did you feel? How did you feel experiencing your first winless season there in, in 2017? I think it's natural to, to feel like you let down Yeah, everybody, you know, yeah. everybody. Cause you know, it's like these seniors, you know, that this yeah. is their lasting impression. You were supposed to be the guy that, that came in and, and changed things. And, right. Right. You know, it's one and nine and zero oh and nine. It's like, okay, well, not not much change is, is going on. Um, but I think as I look back on it, I knew what we were doing was right. Um, I believed in what we were doing. I, I wasn't coming in, you know, guns of fire in, you know, doing anything different. I, I was just being me. Yeah. I was working with the coaches that I had. I was working with the players that we had. Um, and, and we were all working hard and I believed in our blueprint. I believed in what we were doing in the off season, what we were doing with seven on seven summer. I believed in our phases mm-hmm. leading up to the season. Um, these were stuff that were, were ingrained in me. So I just knew it was going to take some time. Um, did I want it to take as much time as possible? Did I, did I foresee injuries in key areas you know, you, you don't, but um, I realized quickly that we were still making ground. You know, we, we were checking things off the box. Um, we wanted to become competitive first. 
you know, and, and that's, that's, that's what I hopefully I thought we got to, despite the scores, we were competitive. We were not going to just be, you know, come in, wipe the floor with us and, and get out of here. You know, we were going to fight. We were going to find some successes and we were going to celebrate the heck out of those successes when we watch film and, and to try to uplift these kids and, and get them feeling a little bit better about themselves first and foremost um, and believe in what it is that we're doing was going to pay off. Hard work pays off. It wasn't just going to mm. be a tagline for us. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a belief. It was going to be the cornerstone or the pillar of our program. Um, and, and that's exactly what we were able to just kind of continue to do, which led to that 18 year, 18 year, you know, that's a two and eight year, yep. but it was, it was competitive. It came down to some gutsy calls and some, and some great things that, you know, to be able to beat uh, Kipner last yeah. game of the year yeah. and, and send those seniors off on a winning note on a yeah. good, they felt good about themselves. It was a district win, yep. two wins, obviously more than they had experienced in their careers at sure. that point. Sure. Um, positive. Okay. It's huge positive. And, and, and that's what we just kind of continue to try to build on. And, and that's all we did. You know, I'm, I'm curious, Bobby, those first two years, when you look up and you've got a one in 18 career coaching record again, like myself, like I, I understand mm. I've been there brother, just like you have, but you're raising that bar and you're pushing harder and harder. And you're saying, you know, let's make this harder so that I think part of it was maybe to, to thin the herd in a sense, or, or set the expectation. Or you mm -hmm. talk about like, nothing can be harder than what we're going through. Those games will be easy. But my question is, you are already thin of numbers. When you ratcheted it up one level of intensity, did you see some more people exit the program? Or did the guys that you had in there, they were bought in and they're ready to ride with you. And your, your, your motto is let's ride. And so I'm curious, like mm -hmm. when you did that, did, did, did some people exit the program or did, did, it, did the troops that were there kind of come closer together and ride with you? They came closer. They definitely yeah. came closer. I mean, you're, we're talking about that particular season. Maybe John Perry is a sophomore. Yeah. Pierre is a sophomore. Um, Chris Van, I think, was a junior. And Caleb Guajardo was a junior. You know, these are those were all guys that, you know, we needed some really good things to, to happen. Stoltenberg was maybe a, a junior. So I think yeah. that led us to that, you know, following season, which you know, number wise, wasn't a very good year as far as again going one and nine, but the culture was still being built. We were doing hard things. We were working our tails off. We were busting our tails to, you know, to copy Matt Rule, try to be, and now Joey McGuire, to try to be the hardest working, most competitive, toughest team in the state of Texas. You know, if we could control those things through just process don't look at the outcome just look at the process of how we can get there um good things were going to happen and, and i think that's honestly that's what happened when we got to the covid year when we got to the covid year you had now a group of kids that were only ours only had gone through our program yeah only had known about the hard work pays off the let's ride the the mm -hmm. the doing hard things um, you know, pouring into some some leadership and character development. And then there was a whole bunch of time. Well, those guys spent time together. Yeah. Whether it was, you know, at the field, whether it was in my own house, you know, yeah. as, as yeah. I'm coaching two of the varsity kids at yeah. this time, um, you know, sleepovers and, yeah. and then 
just time after time because there was a lot of time going on and a lot of uncertainty um, and, and, and different things of that nature. So uh, I, I really truly feel like those kids were ready to go and just needed reasons to play that, that unit that when you play for a unit, when you play for that brotherhood, that changes everything. That's, that's, that's the light bulb. That's the flick of the switch, you know, where we just didn't have enough of that. We did, but we were still clicks, which I'm sure that we were still clicks as well. You know, that's just the nature of it, but everybody was more together and cared more about what this season looked like in 20 and what things were going to be like. And, and it proved it. It says so much about what you just described of players hanging out outside of practice. Oh. That that is huge because I mean I I talk with you know I know at Ridgepoint I I just remember this. <laughs> this is kind of a funny story, a Ridgepoint story. That after we had beaten Elkins, I think the next week Elkins had to play Marshall, and a big group of our guys you know went out to Hall Stadium to watch that game. And it, but but that's kind of what they did, right? They were football junkies. Mm-hmm. And they went to the volleyball game, support the, the girls, and then they'd go to the football game and watch. I mean, that's kind of sounds like what you're developing there. You have kids that like, it's not just, you know, once you finish practice, you, everyone goes their own separate way. You had, you had that group kind of starting to go together. Absolutely. And I, I think that your, your sons, Mike and Marcus are probably a big part of that. And when I watch Clements play, I sense that I sense that they're leaders mm-hmm. on the team. And when I watch their social media and they're both so gifted and what they're doing with their videography. And I just, I, I just, I just saw everything tr- trending and turning. Uh, at Clements and so can you describe what you witnessed and what that feeling was like to have your 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 sons playing and being a big part of like the feeling that things were turning around at Clements it yeah they they were a huge part of it um you know again not only being head coach but being dad I was forced to check myself many times into just being dad when there were you know 10 to 15 players that were here playing video games, swimming, you know, keeping me up all throughout the night because they're just, they were here and they were just being together and they were just, you know, this, it was the most, you know, sleepover yeah. <laughs> slumber party kids that I had ever really been around. You know, I, I didn't, it, because I was in that moment now, now yeah. I was living it. Yeah. So for them to be around that whole time, you know, I remember, you know, it was a MLK weekend. And there were literally at least 10 kids that were, you know, 10 players that were spending yeah. the night that Monday night and, and different things. of So that just kind of went on and went on. And then spike ball got real popular and they're all <laughs> doing spike ball things. And, and, you know, so that particular junior class that were going up to be seniors, um, Ryan Bogan reef and AJ. Um, 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 golly, why am I just going blank? Not Dorsey um, Henry. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, see the Ridge Point, Ridge Point, Ridge Point Clements, yeah. <laughs> parallels, you know, right, sure. uh, J Mac, Chase Bell, you know, th- those group, that group of guys that were together a lot. And then that's what those younger guys were able to see. And, and I continue to reference them as we move forward to this past year. You know, it was about Micah and Marcus and Matt McGinnis and Nate um, uh, Morris and, and Patrick mm-hmm. and Junior. And it was like all those guys, y'all what has been the difference? What was the difference together? Togetherness was the main difference. We weren't coaching y'all any harder. We weren't smarter as coaches. 
we believed in our system, we believed in our program and the things that we were doing, our pillars, and then y'all were together. So it meant more to y'all. It meant more, which means you play harder for your brother than you do just any other Joe Schmo. It's just a fact, you know? That's why the that's why the army and the the armed forces do so much within units because it's yeah. about what are you going to do for your unit and that unit leader, you know? Well, that's our position groups and our position group, you know, position coach. That's our unit. So how much time can those units spend time with each other that it changes the whole dynamic of the relationship? You know, recently I put out a little poll on Facebook of the season coming up, of like favorite teams and everything. And you you, you jumped on Facebook and gave uh, me and my wife a hard time because I listed Detroit Lions as my favorite team. And uh, I love what you said. You're like, I think somebody, uh, Christine, might have something to do with this. Highly influential in this decision. <laughs> I don't remember that, but maybe it's yeah. true. I, I I was always been a closet Lions fan. I, I Barry Sanders. I grew up with Barry Sanders, so I just always liked them. There you go. And then Absolutely. as the Oilers left, I kind of like I never really got into the Texans. You probably noticed I was never like a big Texans guy. So right, right. But I, you're you're right. I never talked about the Lions. But Christine wanted me to tell you here on the on the show today. She has nothing to do with that. And I can vouch. She's a Lions fan, but she's one, she is the stereotypical Lions fan that she always believes they're going to lose. And I'm like, Christine, you can't think like that. Like, we have a son now. I don't want Bo being exposed to like us thinking our team is going to lose. That's a loser. Exactly. You know, but uh, so we, I just wanted oh, to, to share that with you, but she, she wanted me to give you a hard time about that. And she also predicted, she said, I think your show of Bobby is going to be three hours today. <laughs> and I, you I, know, I, I kind of thought that too, only because there's, there's just so much we got already so much history. To talk about. You know, there's and, so much to talk about. And this is going great. But you know, the last thing I always, Last funny little Christine story is at, starting in about 2018 because I could see it changing. I really could. And I, I would broadcast some of your games with our good friend, Roger, Roger Smith, you know, the mm -hmm. voice of Fort Ben ISD. And I'd get out there and I, I would do some games with him. And I, the first couple of years, I just saw you, you were outgunned, you know, but I saw things starting to change. And I was, I, I would always tell Roger and my wife, I was like, I don't like Clemens going to get this win. I was like, Clemens going to beat Elkins this year. Clemens going to beat Elkins this year. Mm -hmm. And then she started just saying like, you always say that you just, you just say that. Cause you think you love Bobby and Derek, you know? And she started saying like, come on, you, every year you say that. And then, and then you know, so that was kind of what she was saying. Like, you just, you, you're biased. Yeah. You love those guys. But I said, no, it's starting to change. And then I kept predicting and predicting it. And then really, like you said, that 2020 year, I think going from, you had zero wins or one win or two wins for like four straight years. Mm -hmm. And then finally in 2020, you got that four win season. I think that's a, that was like a big confidence booster. Like you described, but then all, all right. of a sudden, 2021, you bust out and you win seven games. And you send Clements back to the playoffs. Was it the first time since we went the 13-1 season? First time since in 2007. Incredible. Isn't that just an incredible piece of history? I, you know, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to yes. Yeah. It, it was incredible. It went back to that 2020 year, though, because, yeah, four and six was great, but that wasn't the focus in the offseason. That wasn't my focus in evaluating what we did. We lost three games by one, six, and seven. Yeah. So, okay, there we go. That That's our focus. We've got to finish. We've got to finish. We've got to finish. And that's what it came down to. It came down to there's the, there's the, there's the four minutes of a half and there's the four minutes of the game the last four minutes of those of both. What is it that can we do? And, and we developed winning time. 
And now anytime we do something and we see four minutes, whether it's our workouts or not, it's winning time. It's winning time. And it's a constant reminding and focusing that now the sense of urgency is narrow. The, the, the sense of focus is sharp and you've got to finish these last four minutes, whatever the case may be, two minute drill, getting off the field, hold on to the ball, whatever the scenario is, we've got to be able to finish. And, and that's what led to 21 and 21. We, we had two or three of those one possession games that now fell in line with a seven win year and potentially going to the playoffs. And like I said, I've been predicting it for a couple years in a row. I probably starting in that uh, 2018, I started predicting they're going to beat Elkins. They're going to make the playoffs. And I, I, I was wrong, you know, but you, you punched my ticket and you validated me in 2021. And I got to talk about that Elkins win. I didn't get to witness it because I, I mainly broadcast all Dean games. That's kind of like my main mm-hmm. assignment. And then I do Fort Ben whenever I have an off night with Roger, but so I didn't get to watch the Elkins game in person, but you, you, you won 27 to 25. I'm sure. I don't know. I can't, I don't want to say for sure. Your George ranch win was phenomenal too, but this has to be one of your greatest yeah. wins in your memory as a, as a head football coach. What was that? Elkins Absolutely. Like? What was it like coach? Well, so, you know, we we're down 14 to seven um, and we get a pick right before half um, and we've got to go 90, 95 yards or so. And we end up doing it and completing, you know, finishing off with a touchdown run by Micah yeah. who two plays on a scramble, but two plays before is when he broke his collarbone. Yeah. Um, so, I mean that, which whew, I'm going to try not to get emotional uh, on I that, know. but yep. Yep. Um, that was the epitome of our season. You yeah. know, we were going to get punched in the mouth. We were going to experience adversity, but how do we keep going? How do we fall back on our training? How do we fall back on, what is it that we believe? And, and again, that training and for him to finish that drive with a broken collarbone yeah. scores, a touchdown, yeah. it's tied up at 14. And then we're able to come out in the second half and, and just play winning football, play yeah. winning football, go forward a couple of times on fourth down. Like our, our like coach loves to do. <laughs> like we, that's, that's what we do. We, yeah. we do that, you know, forget analytics. Yeah. What's our gut telling us and, sure. and what do we, what do we feel we can get? Um, and, and we were able to do that and, you know, they scored late, uh, to make it, you know, 27, 25. Um, but then we did what we needed to do to, to hold on to the win and, and be able to take a knee on the goal line. You know, could we have punched it in? Why let's yeah. get out of here with the dub and get wow. out of here. You know, that's the, that I, and I think that sends more of a message than anything else. We, we just want to win games. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to, you know, Poke, I, I don't there's it's not a competition between a coach and I or a player we just want to win games and we want to do it the right way and, and for us to be able to do it that way um it was unbelievable and what a great time it was such a great time especially that earlier in the season I mean we were we, we were having a good time and oh man coach what what a, I, I I knew that that Micah broke his collarbone that I remember congratulating you about the game on mm-hmm. a text afterwards and you sit sharing the bad news with me, but I, I did not know that story about him running the ball in the end of a broken collarbone. And yeah, I, I know, like you said, you, you know, you might get a little emotional and that stuff that those acts of, I, you know, I know courage is a term that maybe some people feel should be reserved for military and things. Like that. And I, I understand that, but acts of acts in, in the football realm, like acts of just courageousness like that and, and guttiness, 
to keep going. Those always get me tearing up. Like I, I think back to watching Jay fan play football and I still, I get emotional. So I'm just oh, thinking yeah. about the effort, you know, like what Micah did there wanting to make sure that he finished that drive and, and help this, help his team get that big win that they, they've been fighting for four years to try to experience that moment. Um, I yeah. remember broadcasting a game, Ridgepoint was playing North shore in the playoffs. Ridgepoint is losing quite handily, but uh, Bert Emanuel jr. Diving for the pylon and getting lit up and, and, and mm-hmm. injuring himself after that. And I, I was telling Terry, I mean, about that, like that moments like that teared me up. Well, I had a moment that, yeah. that, that teared me up big time. And I got choked up on the broadcast of your George ranch game. So you're going into George ranch and now, you know, you've, you've gotten the big win against Elkins. Um, you know, you, you play Travis the next week. It just didn't go the way we wanted. I imagine a quarterback change right in the middle of the season of Mike getting hurt. I'm sure that had something to do with it. You beat Austin. Um, and then you, you go to George ranch and now it's another big, tough opponent, but now like you can make the playoffs. The playoffs right. are on the line. You win this game, you can go to the playoffs. And I just remember that was finally a game where I got to do it. And I remember calling up Roger and, and watching the game and the moment that stood out to me. And again, I, you can listen back to the broadcast. I, I kind of got choked up just watching this. It was towards as a back and forth tight game is what I remember. I don't, I don't haven't been able to watch film or anything. So I might be a little bit off, but I remember it was a back and forth tight game towards the end of the half, your standout uh, Patrick Smith, I believe his mm-hmm. name. Great. Yeah. Patrick Smith gets a pick six right at the end of the half and you you know how you know how big pick sixes are a lot of stat a lot of data shows if you get a pick six you're gonna win that game like 90 plus percent of the time and so patrick smith gets this pick six right before the half and it gets called back for a block in the back penalty and sure enough it's one of your your junior leaders at inside linebacker ferris or fi is the guilty culprit there and i always when i broadcast games when i see moments like this my eyes always go to the sideline and I watch how the coach handles a situation. So my, I instantly found you and I saw Ferris jog off the field. And it, granted, this is one of your top players. This is like the heart and soul of your, the middle of your defense at inside linebacker. And he comes off the field and you just rip him a new one. You read him the riot act. I mean, you had every reason to, that's a big penalty that, that really could have potentially changed the course of that game. Right. And the beautiful thing though, Bobby, he looked you right in the eyes and you, you're, you're, nose to nose chewing him out he looked you right in the eyes and there's a there's a popular meme on twitter that goes around and i believe it's leighton vander esch and sean lee of the dallas cowboys the two inside backers there, getting right. chewed out by their position coach after they messed up something and they're they're just following him with their eyes and they're nodding everything they're listening that's a ferris or five did and the thing yeah. that got me choked up as soon as you got done chewing his ass <laughs> chewing his butt he turned around and sprinted into the locker room for halftime and i i I was just so moved by that. And I, I remember kind of feeling like after we went to halftime, I turned to Roger and I said, Clemens is going to win this game. I said, coach Darnell has them right where he wants them. The players, the Clemens players, like the, the time right. of giving up or not, 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 not giving up, but just letting the moment over overtake you and, and kind of succumb mm-hmm. to it. It's over. What Ferris or five just committed a huge mistake, but he just said, yes, sir. And he's hustling off. He's going to make a difference in the second half. And boy, did he ever, yeah. And, you know, I just th- – th- that's where I saw your four-minute time. Pay- nothing phased those guys anymore. A big momentum swing like that can cause people to hang their heads. A lot of high school kids do it. They hang their heads. They throw their helmet. They go sit on the sideline away from their teammates. That's not what Bobby Darnell's kids do. And I just wanted yeah. to highlight that. That's where I- that's why I always tell people you're one of the best coaches I've ever seen because even in the years you went 0-9, I was witnessing those types of behaviors. So can you talk about – 
that moment with Ferris and just how just everything about that the way that, that your player handled that situation and how that contributes to winning. Uh, it it was an unfortunate thing. Obviously, our guys, you know, we're in football. They're they're not doing things on purpose. You know, right. people don't try to make mistakes on purpose. They're not trying to drop a ball. They're not trying to throw interceptions. You know, um, but it, obviously, it was a huge mistake that a point needed to be made as a great learning opportunity. Yep. And that's what it was. That's all it was. Absolutely. It was a learning opportunity and an opportunity for growth. Okay, great. This is what happened. This is my reaction. It it still doesn't have to affect the outcome unless I make it. You know, I, I feel like that's probably one of the best things that you can possibly learn. You have an event and you have the reaction to an event and that determines your outcome. So and again, that's not me. I think that's in um, Urban Meyer's book, Above the Line. But that's that's what everything comes down to. You know, life is life. It's how you're going to react to it. And that's what equals the outcome to it. And he did a great job. He stepped up yeah. in the second half. Yeah. He, he, he knew what the mistake was. He knew it was not a game changer. It was costly, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't anything that we didn't have an opportunity a whole half of football to still play, you know, so not catastrophic. That, that, yeah. That's the key thing. So keep on, keep on, keep moving, keep it yeah. moving and, and find out where else can we be um, in a position to make plays and everything was still out there for us. So I think the biggest thing that you said was the expectation had finally risen to, yes. we expect to win these games. This yeah. is something we're not rolling into games, just thinking, you know, okay, let's, we had already checked off competitive. Yeah. Okay. And, and we, we had checked that off the box. We hardworking, great, toughest we were trying to be. And that's what our thing was last year. We wanted to be tougher than whoever our opponent was, but at this point, okay, check, 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 win games. Now do whatever it takes to win games, find whatever it is in those last moments of winning time to get the win. And, and that's what it is. And that's what it came down to. And that's what we were super excited about. Uh, we were down our four marching band kids, mm, which two of yeah. them were starters. Yeah. yeah. A, a starting running back and a starting lineman. Um, and and we just did it. We, we just found a way to get it done. Yeah. And I mean, that, that, um, I think that the main, the main, my main takeaway for that is how coachable your kids are. And you know what that means is there's a love and respect between the players and the coaches. When I see players that are receiving hard coaching, like what you did there, that shows that the, he loves you and he respects you. You know, whenever I see players that won't look the coach in the eye or sometimes, sometimes it's a player issue, but the, the, there's some kind of break. There's something wrong in the, the relationship. You know, when I, right. when I, when I witness that on sidelines and I'm broadcasting games and you don't have that. And Ben Moran in his episode said the best coaches, like he described one of his old baseball coaches. It's the guy that is friendly and is a kid magnet and a relationship person but is also not your friend and it will coach mm. you hard. I was like, that's describing coach Darnell to a T. That's what I've always said. I've always said that even when you're at Ridgepoint, you know, I just, you, you have that, you, you kids love you, but you also are hard on them. And that right. is, that's the best coaches. That's what the best coaches do. So that's why I always felt, even when Clements was losing, I was like, it's going to change once, once he just, just gets a little bit of help, you know, just a little more numbers and just can grow it and grow it yeah. and build it. It's going to change. And sure. And it did. And the last thing I want to talk about, Bobby, personal opinion, sometimes in coaching, there's kind of an unwritten rule. It's, it's definitely not written, but when we meet for the all district teams, it's kind of an unwritten rule of 
automatically there's no real discussion over who the coach of the year is. It just goes to the district champion. And that's right. just something, and I, I've been on some teams with, with like Coach Sniffin where we were district champs, but even in those moments, I don't necessarily, I, I don't agree with that rule. I, I definitely don't agree with that rule. I, I think there should be a discussion over who the coach mm -hmm. of the year is. And in my opinion, having been in a program that did exactly what you, I've been a part of two and eight and oh and 10. And I, I didn't have the staying power to see it through like you did, but it is so hard to go from that to four and six. And then even probably harder to go from the four and six to the seven and three. And so yeah. for those reasons, when I see stuff like when I see a coach that does that kind of trajectory, and if it's my vote, I'm voting for them nine times out of 10. I don't, I don't care if the other team went 10 and zero and they won every game by 50 points. That's just, that's, that's the way I'm wired. That's my opinion, my belief. And I feel very strongly in that you, you were, you were given the honor of you were given the 26 a coach of the year. So I'm just curious, how did that meeting go? Like, how did that transpire? Because I know a lot of times that that wouldn't be the case uh, where, you know, the district champion coach would just get it. So how, how'd that all go down? Yeah, I, I was completely floored and, and humbled by by that, that was all Rick LeFavors. Shout out Rick. Um, Shout out LeFavors. Rick, Absolutely. you know, head coach of Ridgepoint is in our meeting. Uh, we're at George Ranch. And he says, guys, I, I know this isn't customary or this isn't what we've done in the past, but I'd like to nominate Bobby for the head coach. I, I think what he's done this year has far eclipsed anything that, you know, the district champion in himself or – or, you know, the success of these other teams have been able to do. This has been um, one hell of a story. Yeah. Um, so every every single coach was like, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I agree. I agree. And I was just sitting there again. I think the older you get, maybe the older that your kids get, the more emotional you get. Yeah. Believe me, this has been one heck of a year, um, starting from about a year ago to just yesterday or just today. Um, emotional is I don't even know if that's the word for it I mean I I was just completely blown away by what they were able to uh extend uh in this circumstance and and again it's it's showing uh definitely respect for um how hard I try to work and and the example that I try to show for uh our kids and the great great staff that I have mm -hmm. I mean that's that's what it really comes down to just I can provide a vision, but um, it's having great people that work with you, uh, not under you. I mean, it's definitely we are all in this together, and and that was a that was a great reward and award for the entire staff, and that's what it looks like. It's a it's a coaching staff of the year award. Oh, man, you beautiful. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. And yeah, shout out to Rick for kind of spearheading that. I mean, he's one of the great guys in the business. You know, I know he, he does things a different way. He marches the beats of his own mm -hmm. drummer, kind of like I used to be when I was coaching. And I, I love that about him. And I just, yeah. I, he's class act all the way, just like you are. And I'm so happy that worked out. And, and I couldn't agree more on your staff. And I mean, I know a lot of these guys to an extent. Obviously, I'm very close to Derek Ruthart, your offensive coordinator. He was the best man at my wedding. We, you know, we go way back to Austin College. But I remember walking down um, to, you know, in front of the locker room there and just celebrating with you guys. And it's so cool. Even guys I don't even know that well, you know, they're, they came up and get, hey, Kobo, thanks for being, you know, and like, they're just good people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just I just really relish that moment of being able to celebrate with you guys, you know, there. And, and I love Coach Cavallo. And I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I love George Ranch. I mean, it wasn't like celebrating that kind of way, but I just after the mm -hmm. whole struggle 
that you've been through, man. That was just such a special moment to celebrate with y'all and uh, and really just a crowning moment in, in a great season. So any last things you want to say? Um, and also, you know, uh, Marcus had a great game that game too. So I know you yeah. kind of, you know, he had a phenomenal game too. So just any, any yeah. last thoughts on your 2021 football season before we move on to the next topic? Uh, You know, it was just, it, it was an amazing time, Um, you know, to be able to have such a special season. Uh, One with my twin boys, two with guys that I've known since they were in first grade. Yeah. Um, and, and three just with our family which with with the family unit that we created um was just one of the one of the all-time best memories of my life uh it wasn't a we got to work harder we got to do something different it was just a belief in what we do and, and a belief in how this process works and if you don't if you don't skip the process if you don't cheat the process uh, good things can happen. And, um, you know, you go through that evaluation and find out, okay, what's next? Cause you don't want to just stay the same. That's, that's never the goal. So how do we keep on rising? And, and now that's been the goal all off season again. Okay. Yeah. We checked off this box. We, we checked off the, the competitiveness. Okay. We checked off close wins. Let's go with, let's get to elite. Yeah. We've got, we've got two to three teams in our district that are, I would say elite. Right. They've been there before. They're taking care of their business, you know, between Travis Ridgepoint and and Hightower now. Those are elite teams. You know that they're in the conversation a lot. They've got great coaches. They've got great players. They're 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 great big schools, you know. Okay, how can we be associated with those guys? You know, and I think John Kay said it best at um the at, at coaching school in his session um that I was able to go to. He talked about your success has got to be your own success. It can't be the same success at other schools. That's, Those, right. that's completely different. You know, my North shore goals and Clements goals should not be the same. Sure. Absolutely. You no, know, we, so my, our success has still got to climb the ladder though. I agree. Okay. So, you know, I don't, I don't want us to just try to go to the playoffs again. Okay. Bam. Let's take it to the next step. Let's, let's get a by district championship. And then let's go to the second round and let's just, just keep climbing the ladder. You got to have something to keep continue to work for. And you got to have something that has that carrot. And that's got to be the culture of the program that we're continually going to be that lunch pail, hard hat. Let's go. Yeah. Because that's not what everybody sees sure. from Clements, from outside perspectives. Yeah. You know, we're, we're the smart school. Okay, great. Mm. We'll embrace that too. Yeah. And now we're going to try to find a way to beat you because we've got 11 guys on the field all the time that want to play with relentless effort, a lot of enthusiasm, excitement, and energy. And they're going to know exactly what to do because they're disciplined and trained to do it. Even when they get tired, when that training goes down, that that's the level that they're going to be at, which hopefully is going to be way up here. So we're excited about the 22 season, you know, and what can happen. We're going to miss those guys. Matt McGinnis, Patrick Smith, Junior on the payday, Micah and mm-hmm. Marcus Darnell. Um, but, you know, we, we've, we've got some guys that uh, I, I think should hopefully be some household names for those middle schoolers yeah. and those younger guys, because that's hopefully what we're trying to get that back to. Amen. And then Micah and Marcus, I, so I take it they're going to the University of Texas at Austin? for school so they are they are going to ut they are at camp texas right now they're uh, cool. kind of a 
couple day orientation. Uh, they have solidified this week two of five internships um, with um, their creative media team. So wow. graphics, video, stuff that they are very passionate about. They're majors. In fact, they're going to be able to start doing those things for a Division One program. So we're excited about that. Oh, man, I love it. I, I love hearing that. And that they're, they're you know, this, I work for Dactronic, so we're kind of in that industry of like, you know, video mm -hmm. boards and big productions. I know that's a growing industry. And so these yeah. kids, uh, they're ready. I've seen their work. Some of the hype videos they put out on Twitter are just incredible. And now they're being yes. a, the, the prestige of being a part of this program. I just, I cannot wait to see where their careers take them because there's definitely, there's work to be done there and success to be had. So really excited. And, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to, I'd be remiss to talk about your daughter Maddox. You know, and, and she's, she's a phenomenal athlete in her, her own right. And talking about being able to speak with adults, I remember coming down there. I just, I walked down there and she pops up, Hey, Kobo, you know, I haven't seen her in years. And she was, you know, yet little and, and she's still just, oh, yeah. right up to me, Hey, Kobo, good to, you know, and I mean, she's great. So just, yeah, can you talk a little bit about her and what she's doing at Clements. She, you know, along with her brothers, um, she was a big instrumental role in getting run through crew. And yes. getting more people out and, and having themes and, and right. doing stuff of that nature um, between her friends and, and Mike and Marcus's friends and, and all the other sports, they, they've had a hand in what's been going on over these last couple of years. And, you know, she'll be a, an officer in student council. She's the officer in run through crew. And, you know, she'll be one of the leaders on the softball team. So uh, she's looking to have a great senior year. She's looking to hopefully uh follow her brothers to uh ut and and um we'll, we'll be spending a lot of time in austin apparently in these next few years that's great that's great now you know we're getting to the portion of our show where you we've talked a lot about you being a dad you know and a dad of athletes you so you can understand firsthand the love that you have for your kids and i now i witness sometimes i think parents allow that love which is a good thing to morph into sometimes bad behaviors, whether it's mm. questioning coaches or, you know, yelling at coaches or talking in the stands or questioning playing time or yelling at officials, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Sergio Gonzalez episode. He's his little daughter plays softball and he's mentioned hearing some parents say stuff like, you know, easy out talking about somebody else's kid or, you know, little things that he, and he's gone up to people and kind of addressed some things and just tried to offer, <laughs> you know, a more constructive way to go about it. So I'm curious for you, I, if parents listen to this podcast as someone who's coached two boys that, be, that were all district players this year in 26, a two twins, that have been both all district players and you've been a part of it. You've been around athletics for a long time. I think some of that negative behavior is bad for the kid at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious, what's, what's your advice for parents? sounds like your kids had a great career, all of them. And they've loved every moment at Clement. So what, what advice would you give to parents to allow their kids to have a, a great athletic career in, in high school? Uh, love your kid. Yeah. Bottom line, just love your kid. This isn't you living out anything or any regrets that you might have. Uh, this isn't you needing to be over the top on how you support. Um, this is just let sports do what it does for kids. Mm -hmm. Teaches responsibility, accountability. Um, it teaches them to overcome adversity. Uh, it teaches them to work well with others. Just let it do what it does. Let the coach be the coach and just love the kid. You know, you don't, there's nothing you need to offer up 
as far as advice or anything unless right. it's asked yes. you know yeah. um just love your kids just love your kids and support your kids be in the stands um tell them how great they did when they when they get back to you because it's a short time you know the the percentage is very low of anybody that's going to get a chance to go do this at the next level so uh have a great time just enjoying the experience with them and watching them because as I sit here before you, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to watch my boys play football again. So yeah. I soaked up every minute of it. I soaked up every practice yeah. and it was fabulous. Did we yeah. ever really talk about it much at the dinner table? Not usually not. Yeah. If, yeah. if they had a question about film or the game plan or something, I'd answer it. But otherwise we we were talking about everybody else's day and what was going yeah. on and then yeah. we were cleaning up and dancing and karaoke and and it. just enjoying yeah. what we do you know so just love your kid and, and let coaches coach love it bobby and so again i hope parents listen to this i hope it's not just coaches and i love what you said we carmen solis martinez in her episode talked about there's different roles in sports there's an mm-hmm. official there's a coach there's a player and then there's the spectators parents job we're fans parents should be fans there's no need to offer advice coach sniffin always talks about how bucky richardson never offered any kind of advice. there was the only question was always coach how can i help and this guy played in the nfl you know i mean so again i I love that advice bobby you know just like yourself you're not you're not if your kids have a question for it you'll answer but you're not hounding them about the game plan or anything like that so great advice uh, just a couple of little fun stories about you. You, you did play, you mentioned this already, but you played high school uh, football. Tyson Helton was your quarterback. He's the brother, of course, of Clay Helton, the Georgia Southern head coach and former USC head coach. You're kind of an O-line whisperer in a sense here. You, you coached Russell, Russell Okung at Bush. He was a number six overall pick to the Seahawks in 2010. Uh, you coached Rashawn yeah. Slater. Yep. 13th overall pick to the Chargers in 2021. Great rookie season. And it was really cool. Like, and you know, you also coached, of course, you coached against Derek Carr when you were at Bush. You bet. I, I remember during your great run this year, I believe you got both Rashawn Slater and Derek Carr to give you shout outs kind of before some yes. of the big games. Like, can you describe like how, how, how are you able to set that up and kind of how did all that go down? Um, well, I mean, with Rashawn, you know, him being one of those guys that, you know, obviously we've coached, mm-hmm. you, you've got to start with love when you're coaching. Yeah. If you don't get that love and you get love by spending time with them, yeah. you know, I think, I, I read something recently that that's how you spell love T I M E. Oh, so I like that's that. where, okay. yeah, that's where you get that trust factor, you know, cause obviously they've got to trust you and then they'll love you. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I text with Rashawn almost, you know, I frequently, you yeah. know, things change once camp starts and sure, everything like sure. that. But, you know, between him and his wife, Stasny, we, we try to just keep in touch and, and see how things are going. Um, with Derek, uh, you know, I remember Derek going to Lakewood when we were going to Lakewood and, yeah. and then I'd see him as a, as a, you know, a little guy. And, and then obviously there was that mutual respect when playing and I was an alumni and we'd say hi. And so we've been able to kind of keep a, a connection through some mutual friends as well. Um, so that was, man, to be able to show some of those to our guys that, that congratulations and, and, and those things to know that they're a part of this. You know, we talk about that all the time. You're enjoying your season, but there's almost 40 years worth of players that are watching you and wanting the best for you. 
you know, so every time we have that first scrimmage, that inner squad scrimmage after the first week, it's an alumni day for us so that we can catch anybody before they go off to college or any of the adults that want to come through and just kind of hang out, spread some knowledge, spread some wisdom on what it was when they were there and something that could help them out. We just want to increase that network. I love that, Bobby. And you, you also, you coached against Kenneth Murray, another charger, you know, when he was at Elkins, uh, Kenneth oh, Sheffield, yes. you know, you, you've coached against these guys, but going back to you bringing back some of the alums and um, anytime I meet somebody who's coached an NFL player or a famous college player, I always love asking, what were they like? I always ask that question. And 99% of the time, Bobby, the answer I get is not only were they the best athlete, they were the best person on our team. Yeah. And I, I've shared the story with Derek Carr, like these guys that make it, they're just wired differently. They're great athletes, but also the way they view things is different. I remember uh, I was just a freshman coach that year that we, you know, Derek's last year there, we were 13 and one. And I asked him at that time, Elkins was kind of one of the teams running this new spread offense. It's still fairly new, even in, even in that time. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, their quarterback, I think his name was Burke Halter was really putting together some incredible statistics. And I asked Derek, cause we're, we're running more of a, you know, I formation style offense featured featuring Chris Lenore and then Derek working off of that. And I remember asking him, Hey Derek, you know, do you ever, do you ever wish we, we would go to spread, you know, so you could kind of put up some numbers like Burke Halter does and really showcase your arm and everything. And he, he didn't hesitate one second. He looked me in the eye and said, not at all coach. I said, really? Why is that? And he said, cause I want, I want to play in the league. This is what we run as a pro style offense. They don't run that kind of offense. in The NFL. I want to make, I want to make NFL throws. I love this offense. And I, oh, wow. I thought for, you know, and I, I loved, yeah, wow, right? I, I thought for sure his thing was going to be like, yeah, you know, if, if I could run the spread, I'd, I'd put up these numbers and i get more looks. And he, but he got, he understood. He understood that the college coaches, they know talent. You don't have to put up the certain numbers or be in a certain offense. Like they, they know right. the talent. His, his, his goal wasn't get scholarship, his goal was NFL. And I just, yeah. Instantly, I was like, wow, this kid is so mature beyond his years. But I'm just curious with Rashawn Slater, who you know intimately. I'm assuming I know the answers. He went to Northwestern, so I know he's a great at, you know, student athlete. But what, what mm-hmm. was Rashawn Slater's personality like? Did you see some similarities Derek Carr where he kind of had like his, his eyes further than maybe most high school kids? Or uh, You could say that, yes. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree that he had that in his mind. I wouldn't say that he verbalized that. Oh, really? Because okay. Rashawn was the – or is because he hasn't changed he hasn't changed in all the years that i've known him he is still the same quiet assassin yeah and and that's exactly that that's the perfect i guess analogy for me because he's not going to say anything he's going to be there's nothing to talk about because he doesn't have time to talk because he's working yeah he's constantly working he was that guy that was you know his senior season busting his tail working as hard as he can to to help his team out in a position that isn't going to touch the football but he could help out obviously offensively and defensively he was the guy that senior year he was going to still be a thrower for us yeah he had first period off so he was in the weight room from you know seven to eight fifteen or so um just consistently just getting better getting better getting better and, and that's exactly all he does, whether yeah. he's on vacation and he's on a beach and he's working on his kick slide, you uh, know, he, yeah. he's, he's such a, he was a professional in 2016 yeah, and how he worked. And I knew it then. And, and I was like, 
this doesn't just not everybody's like this. You are that one percenter right there. Yep. Amen. So I love to hear that. And then, you know, we're kind of getting to the fun part of our show, favorite teams. And you, you listed that. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of this. I, I love this. So I, I am actually wearing the, the old creamsicle throwback Bucks jersey. It's a Hardy Nickerson jersey oh, yeah. in your honor. But you said you love the Tampa Bay Bucks for Warwick Dunn and Tony Dungy. So you, you were a big yeah. Bucks fan growing, you know, kind of there in that period. And uh, then you said you, then you started rooting for the Colts when coach Dungy went to the Colts and you loved yourself some Marvin Harrison, another great receiver, you know, like yourself. And now, you know, you're kind of with the hometown teams, of course, the Texans, the Rockets, and the Astros. So we're getting to the portion of the start bench cut segment. I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Remember, I have that Ridgepoint challenge for you. So I hope you've kind of thought right, about it right. a bit. I'll buy you a little bit of time here to think. But start bench cut is brought to us, as always, by our good friends at the MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Uh, Denton Ryan, longtime head football coach Joey Florence. Now he's the AD at Denton ISD. They use the MVP Marketing Group. And basically, that's my good friend, Mike Vogler. He's the CEO. I used to work with him at Dactronics. Uh, now he started his own marketing firm. What they do is, if you want to you know, raise revenue for your program by attracting corporate sponsors, that's Mike's specialty. So he'll put together a plan for you, attract those sponsors, get them signed, and, and pump uh, money into your program. So if you're interested, his contact is in our show notes. Just give him a call. You know, No risk. Just talk to him. See if it's a good fit. And if you decide to do it, Tell him Coach Kovo sent you, and he's going to give you a team player podcast discount. All right, let's start with the Ridgepoint deal, Coach. I want to I want to get to this, and I've got a couple yeah. NFL ones for you, and then we'll wrap up the show for tonight. I'm just curious. You know, we, we've heard Coach Sniffen's top five all-time, you know, the Coach Hammond's top five defense. You were the offensive coordinator for so many great years there from the beginning and through a very pivotal point. If I asked you for a top five all-time offensive <sighs> players at Ridgepoint, who would you tell me? Yikes. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> um so they don't necessarily have to be in order no order no order at all yep all right that is huge um okay I, i'm gonna have to go i i would go with jamarcus johnson jamarcus johnson that's a good one yep jamarcus johnson yeah that one he, he didn't quite make coach stiffen's list and obviously it's a tough list to make but i'm i'm so glad jamarcus makes it to this offensive all-time list so tell us about tell us your, your memories of jamarcus Oh my gosh. I mean, our, our first running back that we had, our first tailback um, was as elusive as yeah. I've ever been able to coach. Um, you know, it didn't matter about having top end speed or anything like yeah. that. He wasn't getting caught and he had yeah. the hands of a receiver. I mean, he was, you know, what he was able to do that night at Tomball, yeah. you know, where we ended up losing in a, in a shootout, but you know, we, we tried to, we, we made some headway and, and he was doing it with his feet and with his hands. So uh, Jamarcus is, will, will always have uh, a special um, place in my heart for being that first running back of my like OC <laughs> yeah. error, you know? Yeah. Hey, um, and coach, one thing I wanted to say, I've listened to, uh, I listened to Mike Obie's podcast and one time he had Bryce Deadman come on the show. Of course, oh, we yeah. all know Bryce, you know, We've recently watched him in the in the the the, uh, the um, world finals, you know, uh, on the four by four, the world championships. Yeah, and so uh, Bryce came on, and Mike was talking to him about if what leaders he remembers, and Jamarcus Johnson was a name that came up. He he highlighted Jamarcus Johnson as just being a great teammate, and I thought that mm -hmm. was interesting, you know, because they weren't in the same class or anything. Jamarcus was a year older, I believe, and so it's just kind of cool that that Bryce highlighted Jamarcus there. So definitely a great choice for, uh, picking Jamarcus Johnson. Yeah, those guys, those guys were definitely Bryce and Deontay and them. They were younger. Yes. 
than, than Jamarcus. And that, yeah, that that's really good. Actually, Bryce came and talked to our kids after the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, last August. And then uh, probably probably need to have them come again because that seemed to be good juju. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I love Bryce to death. Um, golly. So Jamarcus, definitely. Yep. Uh, I think Torian, I mean, not Torian, Terry. Yeah. Terry has got to be, or is just his ability to do it for all four years. Right. Be freshman you know, a little slot receiver that could do some things. And then that led to, you know, everything else. Um, he was electric. He, yes, was he was yeah, all in his hands. Um, you know, I'd have to give some homage to the O-line by throwing yeah. Bruffy in there. Bruffy. So Bruffy and Petrie have made both lists. So yeah, absolutely. So Travis Bruffy, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Good, good, good. And yeah. I, I would say Bruffy and maybe that outside the list might be Arian. You know, yeah, I throw Fergie in there. Yeah, but, yeah. Outside, but I want sure. at least mention. Um, and it'd be hard not to mention, you know, Jay Kreb and and Troy too. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mark Roman, the EJ, Cam Brown. I mean, it's like Josh Burrell. I mean, yeah, there's so many. There, there were so many, but you know, Trey and Jax. Yeah. Deontay. I mean, so. I, if I'd have to narrow it with the five, definitely, you know, I said Jamarcus, I said Bruffy. Um, I think I'd have to say, you know, Jamarcus, Bruffy, Terry. Mm-hmm. Those two others, oh boy. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Because Shane, Shane, Shane is the. He led, you, he led you to state semis. Yep. Let he, us to the state semis i mean it's like how do you and and preston packard who was awesome oh yeah that, um trevor flores you know yep. with receiver on there so it's like golly uh i'll stick with some ogs though i'll, I'll throw because all those guys don't happen unless like the mark roman and, and I like, EJ, okay EJ, i like you rock emo rock emo, rock, emo. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I love it. So you're gonna go. You're gonna go. Mark Roman and EJ Ewald for the last two. No, I'm not gonna go EJ. Only because EJ stopped talking to me. I don't know what happened. To EJ. Uh, oh, okay. EJ, EJ's doing something. I don't know what he's doing. Um, based off of the things that they were able to do, I think Jackson Deontay. Jackson Deontay, right there, along yeah. with Mark Roman, yeah. Marcus, Harry, and Bruffy. I love it. And, you know, one guy that I. It, it's tough because he was just there for such a short period. But Remus Bulmer is another guy that really stands oh. out, you know, and it, it's always that debate, right? Because he's, he is a legend of Ridgepoint football, but it, it was just that magical year, you know? Um, so that, that's kind of hard. He definitely put together the four years or three years or anything, but. Well, I, I think, I think what hurts Remus is that, you know, he comes to us for JV year as a freshman then he goes to Dulles for sophomore and junior yeah. year. And he comes back to us for senior year. Um, he, he would be happy to know that we still run Remus and Bulmer in, in our offense. That's awesome. Oh, I mean, that that's that's still in there, and, and that's the way I pay homage to him. And, and he'll have to forgive me for him not being in the top five. But, yeah, you know, those those two years that he was away from us. That, 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 that hurts. hurts. Yeah. No, and, <laughs> hey, if anybody needs – if anybody wants to buy a luxury vehicle, 
don't go anywhere but to Remus Bulmer. And I mean, I yeah. love watching him hustle moving those cars, man. And he and it's first class service. He washes your car himself. The salesman will come wash your car before you take it. I mean, he's just great. He's amazing. He was one of those kids that we knew back then too. We didn't know what, but he was gonna be a success. Like that that personality yeah. and you know, confidence that he had as a 15-year-old. Absolutely. <laughs> like, where is this coming from? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, that was a fun trip down memory lane. As Coach Darnell gives us our top, our top five all-time offensive players and listed a bunch and so many good ones. So, yeah, there's no real possible way to actually uh, list five players. So, let's let's go for it. Let's start with a Dungy, Coach Dungy Buckos edition, a Biggs edition here. Uh, I've, okay. asked, I've, I've asked this question before. So, with, with Hardy Nickerson, Derek Brooks, and Warren Sapp. Hardy Nickerson, Derek Brooks, and Warren Sapp. I actually asked this to Zane uh, to Zane Brown, uh, the defensive coordinator at Cy Springs. He's also a Bucks fan, like you are. What <clears throat> what what would you or would you go there? Start bench cut. Uh, Hardy Nickerson, uh, Derek Brooks, two linebackers, then Warren Sapp. Mm, okay, uh, this is a good one, and I I don't remember what Zane said, but I'm I'm going to go with. I mean, obviously, you got Hall of Famers all over the place, so. I'm going to start Derek Brooks. Yeah. There's something about the inside linebacker, the Mike backer and the athleticism that he had when that's the heart of your defense, man, you, you, you can do a whole lot with him. Mm -hmm. Just versatility. Um, Warren Sapp will bench and we got to cut Hardy Nickerson. No doubt. That, that's what, that's what Zane said. Yeah. He, yeah that's exactly what he said. Now I, I would agree. And I, Hardy Nickerson, I just love him. Like, that's just because my, when I was growing up, he was the man. But then <clears> after <throat> that, like when Coach Dungy came and things got better and better, like, yeah, you're, Brooks, Brooks was the heart of that. And he was so oh. important in that Tampa too, being able to get that, you know, that middle, the middle zone between the safeties and have the speed to do that. So Absolutely. no doubt. No doubt. Okay. Now we did this one too. And it's a little fun and offensive. It's, it's a little bit wonky because there's two offensive guys, one defensive guy, but some skills from the Bucks. Mike okay. Allstott. I mean, everybody remembers Chris Berman with the boom, 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 boom noise, boom. you know. So we got Mike Allstott, uh, Rondé Barber, the standout corner, played 16 years all with Tampa. And then John Lynch, a hard-hitting safety. Start bench cut between those three, between their Buccaneers skills positions there. All right. Um, uh, the versatility of a safety, I think, is huge. We're going to start John Lynch. Okay. Um, we're gonna bench Rondé. Oh, and we're gonna cut Mike Allstott. Who uses a fullback anymore? I'd love to be able to use a fullback. <laughs> Our hallways. I hear you. No, and I know you. I know you're. You're a 18 pitch. You gotta have a fullback. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd love that Mike Allstott. You could run 30 trap and 36 G with him as well, and have a lot of oh, success. Yes, but that that that's also. I think Zane Brown actually ended up cutting Rondé Barber. He just couldn't get over the – and that's hard because Barber, 16 years. I mean, good Lord. He, but uh, yes. I think he couldn't get over the nostalgia of Mike Allstott and fullback. So he he actually – yeah, he he started um, he started Lynch just like you did, and then then he went to uh, Allstott and Barber. All right, let's go to the Colts. Let's So uh, Coach Dungey, of course, had great success with you know, Indianapolis as well. Let's go with the Colts skills start bench cut. Your guy, Marvin Harrison, his running mate, Reggie Wayne, and then the uh, incredible, well-rounded Marshall Falk. Let's go of those three. Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Marshall Falk, start bench cut. So 
again, surrounded by Hall of Famers, all three choices. Yep. Uh, all right. We're going to have to start Marshall Falk. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. There's not many more dynamic running yeah, backs. So no versatile. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to go with Marvin. Marvin's going to go on the bench, but he's going to get some PT. Yeah. And then we got to cut Reggie. <laughs> That's hard. Hey, you can't go. I mean, I, I think you got, I think most people are going to say, you know, Marvin Harrison was the Batman, Reggie Wayne, the Robin. I mean, I, and I, I may meet someone that does think Reggie Wayne was the better receiver, which you could argue that he was extremely talented, but no doubt Marvin Harrison, probably the lead man there. So I, I, I support your decisions. All right, let's go for the quarterback play. So you're a Colts fan, Peyton Manning. Now, you know, where I'm going with this Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Let's get a start bench cut Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Jason Campbell, the, the, the well-known uh, Brady is trash Brady hater. So we are, we got his opinion on, on Tom Brady. He doesn't, he doesn't think too highly. <laughs> we had a good joke about that one. And then Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. So between the, a lot of people, a lot of people feel like Aaron Rodgers is the goat. I've heard many people argue he's the best of all time, pure passer. So curious there, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, start bench cut. Yeah, I, I can, I can, that is a great argument, yeah. but the name of the game is winning. Yeah. So uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to get cut. Okay. Right yep. Um, yep. We're, we're going to bench Peyton. And we're going to go win some rings with Tom Brady. Love it, Bobby. You know me. I, I, I'm a Tom Brady's a goat guy. But I understand the other arguments. I don't hate on them, but I'm with you. I, I, I like the way that, that you ordered that one. I agree. And the last one, guys, you've actually had a little, maybe a little closer to home. Andrew Luck, you know, native Houstonian at, you know, at Stratford. Derek okay. Carr, you know, someone that, that you know really well. They're, they're both, you know, we're starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And then I just throw in one more, RG3. We haven't, we haven't paid much homage to your, to your Baylor fandom. You know, uh, you didn't actually list Baylor in your favorite teams, which I, I, I guess because you know that I know that. But um, so that's why I went with the Bucks jersey instead of my Baylor jersey. But let's do an Andrew Luck, Derek Carr, RG3 start bench cut. Well, wait a minute. What Baylor jersey would you have worn? I have. OK, maybe you can help me with this. It, it doesn't have a name on it. It's from kind of it's a, it's a 90s era jersey and it has number nine on it. I don't know the Baylor history enough. Was there a famous kind of number nine? I would say like in the late nineties, early two thousands era. That's what I think the Jersey is from. Oh, that's interesting. We might have to get a look at it. Uh, there was a receiver number nine, Morris Anderson. Morris Anderson. Uh, maybe that's what it was. Cause I was, was trying to do some research. Cause I, I was like, I, I wonder whose Jersey this is. So I'm going to make a note of that. Cause it, it may be a Morris Anderson Jersey. That's interesting. I was trying to think, but maybe it was one of the DBs like a uh, Thomas Everett or um, Perhaps. Adrian, Adrian, um, Oh, I can't remember what Adrian's name was, but um, okay, here we go. Oh boy, that's funny. The the good old Clement Stratford playoff game in exactly. 07. For those uh, that don't know, yeah, they, Andrew Luck and Derek Carr played in a Texas high school football game in the second round. That's pretty awesome. I got to watch it, so that was that was incredible. Absolutely, and then so, but the Clements Rangers knocked out Christine Michael the week before. That's correct. Who was running back for Westbrook? That's right. Ay, ay, ay. There's some good talent in Texas. We all know that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. All right. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna cut. We're gonna cut Andrew Luck. Oh um, wow, yeah. Uh I mean, Derek obviously is still playing. I think RG3's 
completely dynamic if you wanted to just go off of his rookie year. Oh, yeah. Could have stayed healthy, uh, you know, doing Lamar Jackson things before sure. Lamar. No uh, doubt. I I think since we didn't give much love to the Bears this today, we'll go with benching Derek and starting RG3. Let's go. Let's go. Sick him. <laughs> I, I was worried about you. I thought for a second you might cut RG3, and I was going to have to, like, take your Letterman jacket back. And, you know? Oh, I the alumni association is listening. I'm sure they're not going to yeah. come get. Uh, I love it. I love that. I love that choice there. And you bench Derek Carr. You might not get another shout out if you make the playoffs again. I, I'm. I'm. I, we're not going to let Derek listen to this. I'm pulling for the Raiders this year. They got yeah. you know. Uh, they got Adams now. That that rekindling connection from college. I mean, I think. I think they're going to be that AFC West is going to be just brutal. But it's the NFL. Everybody should be good. Yeah. Well, Bobby, this has been fun. It lived up to all my expectations. I knew this was going to be an awesome episode. Uh, we are at, we're about two, two hours, 55 minutes into this. So we are going to come short of the three hour mark, but you are, you have set a new team player podcast record for longest episodes. So you will be the record holder until someone can, can break it, but that's okay. Wow. People, we, people listening can break this up over a couple car rides to work. No problem. This has been a great episode. If you've liked it as much as I have, please give us that five-star review. Help more people hear stories like Coach Darnell's, which is just an amazing story, and he's making a difference in kids' lives. That's why we That's why we do the Team Player Podcast. Hit the follow button to subscribe. Get the new episode every Sunday at 2 p.m. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. You can reach out to me on Twitter or send me an email at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. Suggest, suggest people. This is homegrown. Like I said, I'm not – some big star it's inaccessible like it's just me here so send me an email say suggest somebody i will reach out to him or her and we'll get them on the show so please reach out i love hearing feedback as always the cover art and music for the team player podcast provided by two of my former players that coach darnell and i both love so much the cover art is by kaiser saint Cyr, and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from avrion's self-titled debut album you can find his music on all platforms by searching for avrion that's a-v-r-i-o-n bobby d Coach Darnell, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Love the show. Can't wait to see where it's going to go. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy, 